everybody, and welcome to 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. I am Connor Lestoka, joined by Mike Nelson, as we dive into our second episode about Andy Weir's Artemis, the follow-up to his best-selling, beloved, Oscar-nominated book, The Martian. I'm uh, I'm just looking at my notes right now. I wrote in my the title for my notes is The Martian Episode Two. That's how much <laughs> I I wanted it to be. I did not read The Martian, so fear not. I I just somehow those those things are mixed up in my head, as you might understand. Yes, definitely. And uh, you know, I don't know if I'll have time to get to this, but we have some people who have written in that are. Maybe reevaluating their relationship with the beloved Martian in the well, light well, of... Well, 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 well. A little... Uh, <laughs> man, the Klein things keep coming up. It does. So uh, they, they, they maybe have gone back to it and said, like, I guess, uh, you know, maybe the signs were here all along. Maybe, uh, maybe this guy was, <laughs> was telling us who he was uh, in this first book, and we were just too caught up in the, in the epic awesome sauce of it all to, to really realize in the moment. But uh, Weir, you know, has, has made some choices in this book that I think we've, we've, we've <laughs> you know, disagreed with, to put it lightly. But, uh, you know, we always tease the people who, who, who don't read along with this. Um, yes. Because they're, cause they're, they're going in. They're, they're just missing out on some of the, the full picture, I guess, for the, for the comedy we're trying to present here. But, man, do I envy them for this section because we've got something coming up in this episode that uh, <laughs> it just... What what are the biggest unforced errors I think in a book that we've ever encountered? And uh, I, I just I envy people who are going to experience us talking about it for the first time. I, um, I I got near this analogy before we started recording, but you know how you you hire a uh, you know the star quarterback or something, you get him in the first round, mm-hmm. and everyone's happy, like holy cow, this guy is throwing darts, like mm-hmm. we're you're going to lead the team, and then like three days later. They discover, oh, he has a tweet from a year ago where he's like, <laughs> you know, uh, Hitler had some good ideas. You're like, how did you not? You, the signs, you have, how much time do you have? You're like bringing him into the doctor and like x-raying his inner knee like yep. 17 times. And you can't just have some schlub go, hey, would you check out his Twitter account? Like, yeah. there's some pretty rough stuff on here. <laughs> like, this this is that kind of a thing where you go like, we're all excited about Andy Weir. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I think that's a very good tease. Hitler had some good ideas. Is the, uh, you know, it is not that, but uh, it's just as exciting, I would say. Before we get to that, um, uh, we had a, a fun uh, email from a, from a listener who wrote this in, and I wanted to make sure we got it on here as opposed to reading it. Uh, not, you know, because we probably won't have time for it. We'll see how much we discuss. But this is from John, and he wrote in, uh, reading these last books back-to-back, uh, which was obviously uh, Garrett Peace Service's Edison's Conquest of Mars, got me thinking, what if their authors switched places? What if Edison was written in the style of a 2010s edgy Redditor and Artemis was written in the style of an 1890s old-timey guy? So John did a, uh, did a, little, uh, a little fan fiction here. Please tell me that he wrote, uh, I think it would go a little something <laughs> like this. Yeah. Uh, uh, so here's uh, Edison's Conquest of Mars by Andy Weir. Eddie, you have got to be kidding me, I said. You call that thing a disintegrator? Edison's device looked like something straight out of a Duck Dodgers episode. What was his plan? <laughs> to defeat the Martians by making them laugh to death? That's a big nope for me. <laughs> he rolled his eyes and said, allow me to demonstrate. Then he spun a dial on the side of the weapon and aimed at a nearby crow. 
Feathers, said Edison, have a vibration period of 386 million per second. He fired and the crow's feathers vanished. Uh, yeah, that'll sure be useful, I said. If the Martians are blur- birds that need plucking, Edison raised a <laughs> finger. Crow feathers are just one of its many vibration settings. The frequency for Martian flesh should be easy to tune for. How about a vibration of 69 million, said Sylvanus P. Thompson. The frequency <laughs> for your mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's eerily uh easy to replicate i suppose if you just uh, uh, yeah hit yourself in the head with a hammer for a couple minutes and lower your iq uh real or fanfic does not bode well for me that this can <laughs> roll off of people's pens <laughs> not, not uh, saying there was a good effort put in that i'm just saying yeah and here's artemis by garrett p service it starts with a little bold uh, subchapter headings a reusable condom it was a reusable condom <laughs> <laughs> the wizard had, some days ago, confided me that he had developed a contraceptive device by which he would revolutionize Artemis's economy of marital pleasure. Explaining the details of its mechanism would hardly interest the reader. In simple terms, its primary feature operated by contorting it inside out and fixing it within a cylindrical apparatus. This utilized the electric energies that were plentiful on the moon and by thus sterilized the latex so as to be fit for reuse. Now seeing that the opportune time had presented itself, he revealed this invention to the public. By the sword of Damocles, I ejaculated. You have done it again. Words cannot describe the joyful clamor that rose through the Selenite city as people heard this news. Svoboda has once again saved us, was their cry. We will no longer need to spend 10,000 slugs on disposable condoms, and instead we will enjoy our carnal activities with the aid of a single reusable device. That's beautiful. That's uh, Artemis by Garrett P. Service. So, uh, that's... Uh, and, you know, that. points that, for getting... Be a good uh, use of... Yeah, there's points for using uh, he ejaculated. in. in yes, in very much. Very good point. <laughs> so, yes, well done, John. That is uh, uh, highly uh, highly appreciated. If anyone else wants to rewrite other books in the style of, uh, of Artemis, I think that could be a fun exercise. But we have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, bad moon writing to get through. So uh, do you want to recap us about where, we, uh, where we've ended up here so far? How we, how we got here for the first three chapters? Yeah, we're in the we're on the moon in 2080. The moon uh, city, uh, Artemis, looks exactly like something from a sci-fi book. <laughs> Domes and tunnels, and I don't think this has been mentioned before, but the uh, gravity is one sixth that of the Earth. Yes, yes. I maybe it was in a footnote. Now that you mention it, I, I tend to ignore those. I hope it comes <laughs> up again like a double elimination thing, where I because I, I still can't understand, but. Uh, and our hero, uh, our hero, heroine, Jazz, Jazz, Jasmine, I assume, uh, a Saudi Arabian girl of indeterminate age, but probably 22, if I had to guess. Yes, early what 20s. Your... Yep. Okay. Uh, she is a delivery, a smuggler mm-hmm. under the guise of a delivery person. And she has been approached by, let's Tron. call him. Yeah, what should we? What is his analog in real life? Oh, just uh, you know, Moon Elon Musk, Moon yeah, Moon Zuckerberg, Elon like you know, yeah. just a, a a rich guy up there who's who's building an empire but wants more still, smoking uh, illegal and illicit cigars in his yeah oxygen fueled chamber. <laughs> <laughs> um, offers to uh, gives her a job offer to. Uh, despoil the equipment of a competing harvesting team. Mm-hmm. 
A glass harvesting? Is that what it is? Rock harvesting that then you, yeah, I think you use to make or smelt it into maybe metal or, yeah, it could be glass. A byproduct of which is the oxygen which is used to fuel. So he's making a move to take it over and he hires a 22-year-old smuggler who occasionally brings him cigars. Yes. So Uh, that's where we are and she is putting her plan in motion. She is putting her plan in motion, and she uh, she will refer to it by a variety of things. But uh, <laughs> chapter, yes. chapter four wakes up with her uh, with this exchange, which is, is just a great reintroduction to the to the writing style of the author. It says, "The next morning, I woke up naked in a plush, comfortable bed. No, there wasn't anyone with me. Get your mind out of the gutter." <laughs> so he makes a habit of sort of introducing like a joke and then negating it in the thing and like it's <laughs> and shaming us right like exactly. he, he's, he writes in the style of a 10 year old then when we read it and go ugh, 10 year old joke and then he goes ah, i'm not talking about that you yes. idiot and like okay 10 year old you got me i guess i don't yes. know what, did, what is this game Right, yeah, he's he's Rick rolling the audience, which I would not be shocked if comes up later in the book uh, somehow oh, on the moon. And ooh, talk. let's put uh, odds on that. <laughs> I'm uh, certain that's going to come up. But it's also like, what, what, my mind in the gutter. The, the the primary theme of of the moon has been one, how promiscuous this young woman is, and and two, like how many, uh, how how big of an industry prostitution is on the moon. So it's a uh, the, the the gutter is a place that you have like lowered us in a in. A, in a mine cart too my friend like <laughs> that, is, that is so what he's wanted us to think about pretty much the uh, first three chapters so uh uh but uh it turns out she is uh luxuriating in a hotel yes that, that costs 2000 it says 2000 g is that slugs i guess that's the, the icon for slugs sure okay all right i'll accept <laughs> it um but then does this thing, This again, this is the writing style of our author, and you're going to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I lay back on the bed jazz never wanted to leave and let my mind wander. Turn that into a proper noun. <laughs> um, the fact that my monitor is still on my desk and wasn't tipped over and shattered is uh, <laughs> a testament to my, uh, my that, ability to withhold my rage. Is that the one where he does the, uh, the, the camel-cased, like, you know, sort of David Foster wallace Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Gives it a name. <laughs> I lay back on the bed. Jazz never wanted to leave. Oh. Oh. Well, she's uh, she's trying to formulate. I mean, well, she says it right here. She says it's time to work on the next step of my evil plan, <laughs> and that's where I. Uh, that's what she's doing in the bed. Jazz never wanted to leave, and that was when my my note was just. It's going to be a long three chapters. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I never actually figured out what so. Trond just like said here blank check go stay wherever you want uh yeah i i was confused by this too and i didn't go back to look as she said she was doing this but she just you know i i guess he gave her an advance she took the money and, and went to sleep in a place so that she could uh walk down the hall you know to the private bathroom with no rubes no robes no dudes checking me out of the hall just me and my bladder headed to take care of business in peace <laughs> good hard sci-fi <laughs> But yeah, the evil plan is a uh, that's a nice little uh, um, uh, 2010s redditor speak um, that that was going to rear its head quite a bit in this uh, in this section. Yeah, and she explains how uh, she, her plan, her evil plan, is meted out by little bits, which uh, I found sort of irritating. You know, I would rather just do the Columbo thing. Just tell me who did it, and sure. then I'll watch you do it. 
but she says here, so to use an airlock control panel, you have to wave your gizmo over it. Sorry, I'm throwing these hard sci-fi terms at you, but <laughs> gizmo. Uh, it verifies that you're part of the guild. It's a simple, idiot-proof scheme that's very effective. Um, so no one's ever lost or stolen one, ever? <laughs> Doesn't that seem like, here's a card that can get you anywhere. Like, oh, well, I will just hit you on the head and take it. Thank you. Right, yeah. But Dra- apparently that's Drag not- you behind a vase, change into your, uh, your, your costume, and come back out with your gizmo. <laughs> Yes. We do this all the time in heist movies. Have you never seen one before? Well, the guild I think she's referring to is the Welding Guild? Yes. Is that the Run, thing? run by the Saudi Arabians. They run the Saudi Arabians. We get some more um, information into the demographics and stereotypes of the moon colony. They, she, she goes to Little Hungary because oh, the, the, the Hungarians owned all the metalworking shops, just like the Vietnamese owned life support and Saudis owned welding. <laughs> and just uh, one, one detail we left out of our recap is that the, the population of the moon is 2,000 people. So it's yes. half the size of Christmas River. Um, so however many uh metalworking shops owned by Hungarians where they're in Christmas River. We have about half as many of those on the moon here. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think my my uh boys both went to Torrey Pines High School. I think it was two thousand people. Okay. So <laughs> it's like you're in high school. And uh you know, I suppose by the end of she's been there since she was seven. Six. Yeah, six or six? seven. Yeah. Uh people probably know her by now. We do so for we, the the tourists that she occasionally bangs in her coffin. <laughs> we had right. an encounter with the the president, the Kenyan woman, who said like, "Oh, of course, I remember you at, as a three year old when I did a project with you." So she makes an impression for sure, which uh, works. We'd think would work to her detriment as she goes about her evil scheme. Yes, and then we meet. Um, okay, so Jazz, we've talked about this, is probably the, not the most uh, nuanced character. Okay, um, it's it's not, but. Uh, Zoska Strobel, the Hungarian, um, what is she, welder? No, what, what are they? Uh, metal working. Metal, metal working. She is, boy, just uh, let me give you a little taste. Please, please. Uh, here she, and, and I will just do it as I'm picturing it. Please, this is not my impression of Hungarian. <laughs> it says she spoke well, with a thick accent. We, we have a mutual friend who's Hungarian. I wonder what she would think of, of, of this. Oh, or she's a second Praise generation. its accuracy. Yes. yes. Just, uh, tears so here you go. Here's, here's how I picture it. You are a daughter of Amar Bashara. He good man. You nice little girl. Now you are bad. You okay, are look, unmarried I'm... and have sex with many men. <laughs> like... Zaska. What is... Uh... So she says, She says, yes, I'm quite the harlot. Like, I mean, did she, like, broadcast a pay-per-view special or something of, like, some sort of uh, world record-breaking encounter? It's, it would take a lot of effort, I feel like, to, to get this widespread reputation so that even the stereotype Hungarian metalworking women know about this. Well, I, I, what I was assuming was that her, her dad, in, you know, the typical Saudi Arabian fashion— was just going up to the metalworking place and go, do you hear about my daughter? She's a whore. <laughs> you know, because that's... <laughs> right. That, uh, that'll get you far in the, in the, in the community and the business world. And Zoska Strobel is very... It's just a, the nuances of this uh, large uh, Eastern European woman answering the door versus the 
large Eastern European woman who answered the door at Tron's house, who was Russian. Yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. just it, he nailed the differences between the the woman whose borscht she had pissed in, and then this metal worker. It's uh, <laughs> very the the subtleties. The uh, you know you under, I understand Hungary a little better now. I think yeah, that's <laughs> having having read the. <laughs> The picture he painted of uh, Zoska Strobel. <laughs> it's like the uh, guy in the Wizard of Oz who answers the door and then you know is a uh, it works every job inside the uh, inside the city. <laughs> <laughs> That's Zoska <laughs> and uh, Zoska Strobel, who was apparently named during a severe Val famine, which uh, oh. bugged the shit out of me. But then I realized we we I made the same joke about Kent Herbeck last summer at our uh, at our live show. So I'll give him a pass on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then she says, um, so she tr- tries to make a deal with her to get this uh, this little uh, hole crop. inspection bot, a hib, hibby, yeah, hibby. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> uh, she makes a deal with that, and then she says about her, yeah, she was grumpy and thought I was a bimbo. Nice, I'm, I'm bimbo. <laughs> I mean, 1982, like. <laughs> teen sex movie maybe somebody <laughs> called someone a bimbo but on the moon in 2080 sure and as a hungarian expression that's probably something they would encounter a lot but yeah but hey her son Isvan had banged more dudes than i ever had <laughs> <laughs> so i mean the moon i mean i don't know something about low gravity just gets people uh horned up i guess it's uh... well it didn't yeah she said that right people like to to do it on the moon with that Apparently, there's some sort of gravity thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, see, they explain. You know, he 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 lays out the science talking between all these um, sort of uh, cringy encounters between her and these other people. Uh, we don't need to read everything for her, but just a little dose of of what you get if you're reading this book full through. Um, she says, you know, keeping Artemis at constant. This is after she's called a bimbo, talked about her son, been called a. Um, slut by this woman. Keeping Artemis at constant pressure is tricky. If people use more power than usual, the city becomes slightly overpressurized. Why? The power becomes heat, which increases the air temperature. That makes the pressure go up. Normally, life blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> um, so that is the uh, the um, interspersed throughout these things. It, it, it is very right. jarring so, to read them. Yeah, a time. paragraph of science and then like her doing the, you know, jacking a thumb towards Zoska going... Can you believe this turd juggler over here? <laughs> it's a very juggler. <laughs> and sometimes the science talk will mix in the uh, the the uh, internet aesthetic writing, and that's uh, that's <laughs> yes. really when you get the full dose of what this guy's going for. I like that uh, um, she's describing the uh, whole inspection bot, and she says that uh, the arm had a high definition camera on the end. So I'm glad that that's a term that we're still using in, in 2082. Uh, maybe it means something, you know, some substantially more high definition, but uh, similar to how Ready Player One had uh, high definition displays. I thought it was a funny thing to uh, an artifact of our, our language when the book was written. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's... Uh, we just did that movie that was set in the future with the uh, gangster world or whatever. Uh-huh. And they had... Their cameras were about... 240p no 240 interlaced i would yes. say yep when in the in the far future so i'm you know if the, she says high definition i think the minimum there is 720p so <laughs> that's pretty exciting that it had one of those and the uh the camera is also what i needed for my nefarious plan so it's an evil scheme nefarious plan Ugh. 
Oh. <laughs> uh, so then she goes. Here's her her plot. She gets uh, the hibby from this woman. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have any more on. No. Nope. Uh, okay. Then she uh, becomes. She dresses up, as we said. You know, drags someone behind the plant to put their costume on. She is going to be a conservative Muslim tourist. Yes. And uh, and so she buys a uh, let's see a hijab and a oh she buys a niqab, and then says at one this. of the at one of the uh, few stores on the moon that cater to the small Muslim population. Right. So just <laughs> we need a map at some point in time. And so just says that reports that she's going to buy this, and then says in the next paragraph, okay, you can stop <laughs> pretending you know what a niqab is. <laughs> God. Ah. Why do you hate me? Why do you hold me in such low regard? Why are you even writing this book for me? You think I'm just a Neanderthal idiot? Yeah, and here it goes on to say, it's a traditional Islamic headwear that covers the lower face, combined with a hijab, parentheses, headcloth to cover my hair. Only my eyes were visible. Great way to wear a mask without arousing suspicion. So, like, it's... Uh, it is a it a, it is a bizarre under and overestimation in the same uh, in the same <laughs> paragraph, <laughs> and also it says like you know this is a, not arousing suspicion. It's like hey the hey the thief uh, wore an unconventional color of kneecap because she bought a tan one so she could look good doing it. It's like oh um, yeah that chick who has a lot of sex was in here yesterday and bought one. Good, I'll I'll go arrest her. <laughs> um, problem solved. Like, <laughs> uh, but then so. Okay, fair enough. She's going to, you know, because she gets to wear, you know, a full, uh, the full gear, she's only seen through the eyes, I'm yeah. assuming. That's kind of what we're... This is a Bugs Bunny disguise, right? This would be... Oh, I mean, 100% I... Bugs okay. Bunny. <laughs> and so, after lecturing us about not knowing what hijabs and uh, niqabs were, mm-hmm. uh, she approaches the, the front desk of a, uh, a hotel... And uh, and then begins the sensitive retraining of, of us idiots who don't know about Muslim culture. <laughs> okay. She comes to the desk and says, I greet, <laughs> I said with a thick Arabic accent. Welcome to the Artemis Hyatt. He said, needing gizmo. <laughs> so thank you for training me in the sensitivities yes. of other cultures. It's... I am I, I'm humbled I in the internet tradition I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm bowing down before you. Thank you for teaching me about this. Yeah, the moon is a is a vast multicultural place. I mean, who knows what has happened in you know culture in in sixty years? I mean, a, a, a lifetime. You could see how much changes. But uh, uh, broken English uh, played for comedic effect will never uh, will never go out of style. I just wrote down like what? So this characterization's like. Chevy Chase's Fletch, uh, <laughs> Dean Martin skit from '64. Yeah, really, it's full uh, Hope and Crosby trying to, uh, you know, road to the Casbah or something. I thank, I said with a smile. I thank many. Moon is much excitement. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I like that she once she's you know she's like paying him and using slugs or whatever. Like I really wish that. Um, you know, as he was stuck with, you know, high definition from 2013, I wish that he had gone big on, you know, on, on Bitcoin or something being like Bitcoin. Right. Yeah, we still use it. It became the future of everything in 2047, uh, guys. Like that would have been a hilarious artifact of that time. I also just want to read for you a sentence that appeared in a New York Times bestseller. Um, she's talking about uh, why she needs the new gizmo. 
mm-hmm. and it's so that uh, the Mountie can't track her down because life's a pain in the ass when you have a cop constantly on your ass. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's like when a rapper rhymes a word with itself. I was uh, I was really hoping in the scene, by the way, that she would uh, that the guy at the desk, the front desk, would say, um, "Hang on a minute." Oh, uh, yes. What it? <laughs> like, uh, is that kneecap brown? Because uh, 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 it's very attractive. Carry on, obvious conservative Muslim woman. <laughs> Whoo, I said. <laughs> Tugging at the collar of my... <laughs> yeah, or just like, oh, um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't speak, um, you know, Arabic... However, uh, you know, Abdul, uh, who over here is, 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 was just getting back from his break, so he'll be happy to, to translate for you. I, I regret putting you in an embarrassing situation where you had to speak your obvious not first language, but this guy will be able to assist you much more helpfully than I will be. So just come here and you can speak it to him. <laughs> Gulp. <laughs> I, I, I speak a different dialect. Where oh, where I, bathroom? I think seven dialects. Yeah, Which one? Yes. Uh, yeah. Then she yeah she 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 j- j- utters out some syllables, and that is of course a real thing. Like she just has to mutter, "Where bathroom diarrhea? Your onion needs shaving. What? <laughs> oh, I mean, but uh, she fortunately doesn't have to do that. But she does describe her time that she has been to the to, uh, to the uh, to the um." hotel before i'd only been there once before on a date with a tourist the room was pleasant enough but i'm not the best judge i only got a good look at the ceiling oh boom (laughs) so it's uh kim cattrall from sex in the city (laughs) he was lawrence of my labia god (laughs) that's a real line right that's That's a real line that's not just a improv you (laughs) i apologize if that was something off the top of your head, that would have been a uh, good night, folks. I'm sorry. Yeah, cover the children's ears in retrospect. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, it's a line from the movie. We had to. I had to watch, and I made uh, Sean and Connor watch a little bit of it. God. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Um, so what she's going to do is hop on a train to go with all the other tourists uh, to uh, the Apollo landing site. Um, you know, there's overlaid, overstimulated kids. We're literally bouncing off the walls. Lunar gravity is the worst thing to ever happen to parents. I, I can probably think of a few more things that would bum people out if I were to list them here, but uh, that's probably an exaggeration. But then, this is so cool, said a dumb blonde to her trust fund boyfriend. We're about to take the moon rail. Ugh, only tourists called it that. You, call, you called it Moon Poon a couple chapters ago, which is yes. substantially worse. Like, <laughs> God, settle down. This uh, this author has a lot of grudges that he's settling with his character, and it doesn't paint a good picture of her. She's just like a ball of hate and rage. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, it says, uh, by the way, we also hate it when people call us loonies or when they call oh, yeah. Artemis the city in space. Um, she also obviously wants to be called a lunar is uh, what she wants up on the, <laughs> yes. up on the moon. <laughs> uh, I mean, technically we're in space, but so is London. Okay, Neil deGrasse Tyson, yeah. get off Twitter, <laughs> you jerk. Oh. Uh, this is a detail. I don't want to get past it. She says at the end of, as she walks off in the, uh, in the hijab, mm-hmm. I carried a big purse, of course. 
what tourist woman would be without one? Okay, we're only hearing about this purse now? Where are you? We, in detail, we heard about you getting this little machine. We heard about you buying the stuff. Like, you bought a giant purse? Where? <laughs> Uh, are they just selling? Uh, is that what? Is that the main industry? You go up here so you can get counterfeit uh, Louis Vuitton handbags, you know, for one hundred and fifty bucks that normally cost five thousand dollars. That would explain all the uh, all the shopping people are doing if it was counterfeit yes. goods. And think of the purse buying scene would have been gold. Think how much hate she has for people who sell or buy purses. It could have been so many good zingers in that. Yeah. And yet all we get is like, of course I was carrying a big purse. <laughs> like, when did you get that? What right. what, she, what what happened? Was she buying it while wearing the niqab? Like, and like, what tourist woman would be without one? I don't know. Maybe the conservative Saudi Arabian woman who's wearing this outfit that like yes. isn't planning on doing a whole bunch of shopping. Like, you know, go into uh, go into the uh, the uh, your your buddy's business wearing the, with the purse and being like, I need. All the reusable condoms you can fit in here. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, so she she goes to the train, and uh, uh, slight language warning here. Here's what she says: uh, a hatch open to reveal the conductor. Shit! It was Raj. He wasn't supposed to be there. I'm like Raj. Do we know Raj? Do we? Know? Yeah, I don't. Think I don't we do. think we know Raj. I think this is. This is new yeah. because then she says, Raj and I grew up together <laughs> after the fact. We went to the same schools. We were teenagers together. Um, yeah. So Raj, her dear friend mm-hmm. who was a teenager with her, is going to see her big purse <laughs> <laughs> well, and wearing her uh, Bob Hope costume. And you're going to go, what, what are you doing? <laughs> but it also says, you said dear friend. It says, we weren't close friends or anything, but we saw each other every day for most of our lives. My dress and hijab might not be enough of a disguise. I don't know. When we go to Nashville in August, bring, uh, bring a hijab and a niqab and just like, I'll see if I can recognize you wearing them. We'll do a little, sure. like, you okay. know, we'll, we'll person on the street thing where everyone walks into the house and sees if they can tell that it's you. Because I, I think it'd probably be a pretty good disguise. <laughs> And uh, and at one point, I hope that you will sort of freeze like a statue, and I'll walk right past you, and then uh, then we'll walk around in a circle back to back and not yes. see each other. <laughs> but she does have Raj scheduled memorized. That's an important detail. And you know, even if it, you know, so that's Raj that uh, that she knows because they went to school together. Isn't the guy who she switched shifts with also just going to be, uh, you know, a, another person who she definitely knows and probably has spent a lot of time in and around, you know? Like uh, in the town of two thousand, yeah. It's I like mean, this lateral this, nef- this nefarious plan is—it's just coming apart at the seams. Here. <laughs> uh, but uh, Raj uh, calls out. This is very irritating that he's doing this shtick. Mm-hmm. This is the two thirty-four p.m. train to Apollo Eleven. All aboard! <laughs> I hate myself for doing that. He yeah. held out a vintage-looking brass ticket shredder. Uh, vintage 80s, please? Vintage 80s, yeah. Let's let's uh, keep this on brand, if you will, please. Yeah. He held it in his silver-studded uh, Michael Jackson glove, of course. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've ridden, you know, trains to New York and stuff where they come with a little, like, hole punch or something back in the, you know, back in the aughts. Like, the, the vintage-looking brass ticket shredder <laughs> is, uh, that's going back a, a, a ways, I would say. People from 2080 are going, like, what is that? <laughs> Who are you kowtowing to with that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> 
he doesn't recognize her. He must be too busy not shredding tickets because it's just for decoration. But they uh, they do hop on the uh, the Lunar Express. It's a forty minute ride or so, fifty minute ride. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, we get this. The train set off. It was utterly smooth. No rocking, shaking, nothing like that. It ran on an electric motor, obviously. And the tracks <laughs> <laughs> and the tracks never had to deal with the warping effects of weather. Plus, there wasn't much weight on them compared to Earth's track. Yes. We're still doing it. <laughs> we're still reminding each other that the uh, effects of gravity are not what they are on the Earth. I said, well, this is the first time hearing about this. Tell me more. <laughs> uh, and then what is the... I, unfortunately, my notes, I didn't write down the joke. I don't know if you have it there, but here it is. A snicker rippled through the passengers. It was a stupid-ass joke, but comedic gold to the tourists. Mm-hmm. Like comedic gold to the writer? Like, why did you, why are you, ex- again, putting in a dumbass joke and then chastising everyone for, yep, that joke sucked, huh? Right. But the tourists ate it up, those pieces of garbage. <laughs> the joke was, please keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help but snicker there. The- <laughs> yeah, he does, he does have a lot of contempt for, um, a lot of these other characters, or she does, because she sits next to a frumpy Midwestern woman who's amazed that they're on the moon. Um, and uh, so she'll, you know, go to hell, <laughs> person having the experience of a lifetime. Frumpy Midwestern woman, yes. To which she says, uh, and forgive me, I'm just reading it, Malesh ala ma'aref inglisi, I said with a shrug. So uh, she does speak the language, I guess. I guess she does speak, you know, Arabic. Um, so, sure. It was uh, her household language. Yeah, right. Uh, but the woman just turns away and says it to someone else again. Uh, once they land, uh, we get to a moment that, if it weren't for something that comes later, would be one of the more stunning uh, uh, moments in the podcast history uh, in terms of throwaway details that make you wonder why they're uh, why they're here in the book. But... Uh, they meet a character named, and this cannot be a coincidence, based on what we know about his fandom of of, of the Kleinverse, Gunter Eichel. Like, right? That, that There's no way that that's a coincidence. There's no possible way okay. that is a coincidence, yes. <laughs> uh, and Gunter Eichel had immigrated to Artemis 10 years earlier with his stepsister, Ilsa. You ought to take a sip of your coffee. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, okay. okay. yep. Just a, they came because they were ostracized in Germany for being a couple. <laughs> yes, really. That's why they emigrated. Uh, and then, so they are uh, stepsisters who are banging. Um, so that's why they had to leave Germany to come to the moon. And she, go off, she goes on to say, we don't care what people do sex-wise as long as everyone's a consenting adult. Though some folks stretch the definition of adult. Uh, just, just need... No matter what, uh, it's an interesting paragraph. I don't imagine this is going to come back into play, that uh, he's having this odd relationship, uh, to put it politely. But the second part about we don't care what people do sex-wise, proven untrue uh, rather quickly in this section. (laughs) Very strange. The the royal we, when she comes from uh, a conservative... Saudi Arabian family? Yeah, her dad was installing a prayer mat in the last episode. The, the, the Hungarians? We got a bounty <laughs> kicking the shit out of a Vietnamese wife beater? Like, and the, it... I, I think they care. I think they... <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like they're the uh, that commune that spun, that 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 uh, all our books went to support at the last episode, the Free River Project, yeah. as opposed to you know this mishmash of of co- cultures who loathe and resent each other up on the moon. That's just stunning. That is just shoehorning something in. It's so strange. <laughs> we don't care. Turning the moon and the, on all these little conservative balkanized factions into a weird hippie commune when it's you've already demonstrated it's not anything like that. <laughs> Why? Yeah, and it's like we don't care. It's like did you at least ask him some questions? It's like, you know, yeah, maybe if he came back from, you know, grad school and his dad had remarried and there was a 23-year-old, you know, that he like met that day and fell in love with. It's like, "Oh, you know, we we did some we asked some questions. We don't care. It was weird." But it's like, "Yeah, no, like, you know, they remarried before I was born. She was 2 when I was born. Like I grew up in the same house with her." It's like, "That's weird, man." Like, we <laughs> we're not going to abide like, even on the moon. That's a little too much for me. Let me go check with my dad. Oh, he's praying right now. Uh he'll he'll weigh in later. <laughs> Let's see. Did you uh, w- when this happened? It was. It seemed so weird. Did you flee to South America? No, you went all the way to the moon. Okay, maybe there is something a little weird about it then. Right. Yeah. So if maybe uh, you know, maybe everyone who's up there loses the uh, the part of their culture that judges about that. Proven untrue later in the book. Um, but yeah, there's got to be some other places in on the Earth where that would be fine. Go to the Free River Project. Than Wales. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, so not to dwell on that because we get an even better one later. My darling sister, we shall go to the moon. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I've already packed. <laughs> Ooh, what'd you pack? Um, anyway, oh, uh, but uh, the, 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 he lets them out, and uh, he's sort of given the tour guide, like, you know, pointing out the American flag, the Apollo mission planted, little science details. And uh, he's like, you know, uh, we, we, they, one of them got bleached, but I just imagined him giving his, his spiel. Uh, you know, for later missions, they figured out how to put the flags farther away. A small chuckle came from the crowd. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny one. So who's here with a sibling? Uh, <laughs> anybody? Uh, <laughs> anybody into that? Like, no? All right. Midwestern frumpy lady? No? Okay. <laughs> uh, and this made me wonder is uh, she describes the Dale here, uh, off screen Dale. Sure. And I just I just wondered, given this here, usually Dale would be there among his peers. But today was a Saturday. He was devoutly Jewish and off at Artemis's only synagogue, Congregation Beth Chalutzen. Uh-huh. Is, is, is he one of those people who doesn't care what people do <laughs> sex wise? That traditionally famous <laughs> so conservative people have uh, have. Just the most devout people on earth have come to the moon to, to you know, uh, carry on the religious traditions, you know, as as strongly as ever. But for whatever reason, yeah, this morality is the one thing that lapses. Dale, I will also add, uh, you know, this is the description of Hartnell's pub. I sat in my usual seat, second from the end of the bar. The first seat used to be Dale's, but those days are over, which is implied that they had a falling out, not that he renounced you know drinking to go be devout in the synagogue every saturday <laughs> right uh all right so then she's she gets the um the tour of the place as she wanders around seemingly kind of by herself mm-hmm. it seems floating around yeah and then uh they give a speech about the evas kind of take over and she says um i listened with fake fascination of course, I knew about scurry packs. I knew all about scurry packs. And 
why are you faking the fact your face is 100 percent covered <laughs> i don't think you have to fake anything <laughs> all we could see are like two your two eyes yeah there's but... no you can make all the wacky expressions you want no one can see them yeah what was i why was oh i going skiing recently i was like you know you, you you're taking a picture on the on the slope and i've got you know helmet uh you know face covering and goggles on and i'm still smiling for a picture and at some point you realize that you're like god what am i doing you know but it's like yes. that's what she's doing right here she's just like rolling her eyes inside the burka oh wait the eyes are the only thing they can see oh no She's rounding off her mouth and, oh, <laughs> no, it's, no one cares. There's a good little exchange between, uh, so the guy leading her a tour is Bob, who's the no-nonsense Marine who was in the first chapter. Oh, he was the very first guy we met, yeah. yeah. And he, in- he introduces uh, nice Marine concepts like no horseplay on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine, yeah. I, I did not watch my buddies die face down in Sydney, Australia during World War Four for you to come up here and play grab ass on the moon. <laughs> Uh, but he gets into it with a uh, oh, was I, I don't remember oh a small Asian man who she identifies as nervous guy, um, and uh, so er, nervous guy has a lot of questions about like radiation what you're gonna get um, you know what it's you know how much time these guys spend outside and it's like why are you asking these questions uh, as you're about to to set foot out here you clearly spent uh, a year's salary to get here um, traveled for. Many days, uh, and that, that's when you start to worry about uh, <laughs> these are all clearly outlined as you're buying your ticket. Right, and you didn't even, you know, that the hotel that you're staying at has that wall with all those pamphlets stuffed into it. You didn't pull out one of those pamphlets and just kind of go thinking about going on an EVA tour of the moon. Here's a couple of things you should know. <laughs> he was about I mean, to grab that pamphlet, but then all the rest were about the uh, uh, prostitutes nearby. Right. Like, you know, come see ours, like, you know, hottest prostitutes in town. That's what he went for. He was about to read it, but then he put a nickel in the magic fingers thing, and it, like, <laughs> drifted right off to sleep. And... <laughs> uh, but, yeah, plot-wise, he's essentially, like, uh, had the uh, hib bot follow them out of the airlock um, uh, so that it can be outside on the moon because the airlocks are the thing that you need someone else's gizmo to get in and out of, and they'll keep a record of that. So she's stashing the the bot outside on the moon so that it can go back to um, perpetrate her very nefarious scheme when she needs it near the uh, the harvesters, I guess. That's that's a lot of, uh, a quick summary, I think, of a lot of his words here. Yes, and she, uh, we, I guess we forgot to mention, the hotel gave her a, a rental, rent-a-gizmo? Yeah, she, 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 yeah. she you know, requested one um, to do the translations for her, I guess. Yes, under yeah. her name, uh, I don't have it here. Some, yeah. some, yeah, is an Islamic name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they th- gets another one of these science things, and I, I just want to share it again because this is just in the middle of the, the judging and the, the dumbassery. It says, Just like harvesters, hamster balls have to deal with a pain in the ass that is heat rejection, but you can't encase a person in wax. So what do the scurry pack do with all that heat? Dump it into a big block of ice. Yep, good old frozen water. A couple liters of it. Water is one of the best heat absorbers in all of chemistry, and melting the ice takes even more energy. That was really the limiter to how long a hamster ball excursion could be, how long that block of ice would last. It worked out to two hours. It's like a, I realized, it was like a, it's like a family guy cutaway, you know, <laughs> to just like wedge this stuff in and just go right back to the plot. This doesn't matter. The ice doesn't matter in this section at all, but it's just, you know. <laughs> hey, Lois, it's like that time we were in hamster balls up on the moon. 
Remember, and you uh, you wouldn't let us bring all the ice we needed. I tried, but you you ate it. You put it in your soda. <laughs> oh yes, ice—the thing to perpetrate my nefarious scheme. Finally, one day they will rue the day. Are you still talking, Peter? <laughs> but That's yeah, impression. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Whew. Oh, good <laughs> Probably stuff. Practice that ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I just the, the science talk is is essentially that to me. Um, I. I, I there's not much to the plan, really. It just is sort of, uh, you know, it's sort of like a video game stealth mission, I guess, of making sure that the Marine's not looking as you, you know, remote control the, the hib bot out the door behind him. But each uh, moment of it, I have to say, I didn't understand, like, th- there was no zero tension, right? Because you're just like, I don't really know what's happening. Yeah. She's taking a, uh, a claw machine, which I can't really picture. It has an arm with a 720p camera on it is about the only thing that I can figure out. And it's going to crawl up these little handholds in the outside of the shell Yeah, it's to like do you said, something, but I don't really... I, don't I think know you what... said before, everything is presented for the first time as we encounter it. So there's really... You have to start imagining it as you're imagining the scheme at the same time. And it's to me, it was very ineffective. Yeah, he. Uh, let's... Uh, we should tell him about... Um, what's the Hitchcock thing? The... Uh, the, the uh, unimportant MacGuffin the MacGuffin sorry the MacGuffin yeah we, we we need MacGuffins for each scene like you know I set the briefcase over in the corner hoping mm. no one would notice it and then I stepped over to you know so that you have something to focus on like w- wait what is she doing that was my whole <laughs> okay now she's going outside does anyone care oh Bob's not looking okay I have zero tension I think he would a- appreciate that but you might need to put it in the uh refer to it in terms of a 80s movie to get him to to understand what a MacGuffin is you know sure it's like, it's uh, like the Allspark in the Shia LaBeouf Transformers movie like oh okay that's clicking oh, a bit but a couple dude, decades before yeah pound it man turn off your brain and enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> but this is how so this is how the chapter ends they're sort of looking at the the site and she's like oh it is impressive just as an excuse for him to throw a little more moon history and stuff at you um which I guess some people are enjoying in the midst of all of this. But it says, uh, I spent the rest of the tour checking out the Eagle. It's amazing to think people actually landed here in that thing. You couldn't get me to do that for a million slugs. Well, okay. I'd do it for a million slugs, but I'd be nervous about it. (laughs) So isn't that the exact same way that the second chapter ended with sort of the Gilligan Island? Like, I will not do that. I'll give you a million slugs. You can't make me. You can't make me. So that's uh, how two of the four chapters so far have ended. Well, I guess the chapter hasn't ended. We get the uh, the uh, emails back and forth with Kelvin from Kenya. Um, yeah, that's a that's 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 quite something. Oh, there is one <laughs> thing I want to bring up. Um, uh, this is uh, broadcasting through the uh, aluminum sheets. Okay. Uh, this is just in the science stuff where you know it's, uh, the snarkiness is done for a second. It's hard to broadcast through two six-centimeter aluminum sheets and a meter of ground-up rock. Well, pretty simple, actually. (laughs) Why did you bring it up? (laughs) You were leading me down the path of, oh, boy, that is a problem. How are you? Oh, it's pretty simple, actually. Okay. Very next sentence. God. Yeah. 
uh, that stuff like that, which I think happens a couple times. There's sometimes like you may be wondering how it does this. Like, no, no, I don't think many people were because <laughs> you explained it away as soon as you do it. But that, so that's a, uh, it's hard to do something. It's actually easy is a uh, counteracts essentially all the build up to the, you know, the, the gravity is lighter, which happens in the, I think the next chapter, like, you know, he spent so much time developing that and being the only thing we focused on for the first episode of this podcast. And then right. as soon as it comes into play, it immediately goes out the window. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, there's well, no avoiding it. We're into the letters now. We're into Sean. Yeah. Sean is, uh, I guess he was brought oh. up the last time. Um, um, I don't remember. Okay. But yes. It sounds like it. Well, uh, <laughs> it says, dear Kelvin, yeah, he's talking about Sean. Sean fucked up. I love the man. And he makes me howl in bed. But God, he can be so stupid sometimes. And then he says, he got a hold of some pot, brought it up a tourist. We needed a place to party. Problem is around here, if you smoke, you'd set off fire alarms. So where would we go? I quibbled with why the tourist, who would undoubtedly be aware that you couldn't smoke on the thing, if he's sneaking in pot, why he wouldn't buy the presumably widely available edible or vapable varieties that are you know omnipresent even in the year 2023 and you'd figure it would only be more popular but that's just well i, my I also had that like problem solved of like pot is not available on the moon is that a tourist brought it up like <laughs> what's what's happening on the other end of these tourist things where there's no uh there's no like can i check your bag there young man like uh, <laughs> i put on a seat job yeah oh <laughs> Yeah, maybe it was, you know, smuggled in a body cavity or something. I don't know. It's also a funny thing to imagine that in 60 years, that issue has still uh, remained uh, positive, considering what else they allow on the moon that we'll get to. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, so on the moon, they're uh, taking their uh, Led Zeppelin IV uh, double album cover, and they're separating the seeds out with a card that they got from the... <laughs> These things pop out of the pipe, man. Yeah, get a uh, get a milk jug, a big pen, some foil. We'll I'll, I'll get you a bong in no time. Oh, you have an apple right over there, dude. Problem solved. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the mount. So they. Long story short, is what she says. They start a fire um, in this thing in her dad's um, um, welding shop. Welding shop because there's you know acetylene torches he had filled. Um, b- terrible thing. Everything is destroyed. Dad is pissed off. Uh, kicks her out of the house. Rudy is trying to track her down and have him deported, but the fire destroyed all the pots, so no evidence of illegal flammables. This uh, is, uh, by the way, this is Dad's brand new. He just <laughs> built it, right? Yes. And uh, you know, obviously, real estate on the moon under those domes is, uh, you know, you can't make more of it, as right. they say. So yes. it's obviously incredibly expensive. <laughs> yeah. And she burns it down with her, the guy who's banging her and uh, smuggling <laughs> pot off of tourists. And then her next sentence is, Dad was pissed off. Yeah. He yelled at me like never before. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, really? the, uh, maybe the Nigerians run the moon's uh, insurance industry, and he had you know the best insurance possible, and they're going to be just out there replacing it within a matter of days. So, uh, Yeah, well, and Rudy wanted to have her de- de- uh, deported, but that's amazing that he didn't just... You know, what was it? A rabbit punched in the throat or something. (laughs) Seems like his metier. Yeah, I think that, you know, causing a fire, like, would just sort of be zero tolerance. Like, oh, it was an accident. We don't care. Like, you can't leave a candle burning in your uh, thing and fall asleep in bed either. Like, that's not, you know, we can't do it. (laughs) Uh, But uh, her response here is, so what, when was this that Sean was making her squeal and howl and whatever in her coffin, I guess? Uh, how, yeah. how old was she? 
Well, so nowhere to hear, but in the next chapter, we get some solid, uh, solid uh, confirmation of her age. So Okay. But here she's like she's sixteen, or rather 17. young in this section. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, but again, they don't care what you do on the moon. Uh, but uh, so she re- responds like a you know teenager, like I don't, my dad, I don't even care. Like, uh, so what? I burnt the thing down. Uh, and then you know, so uh, what's his name, Kelvin? So there you go, Kelvin. That's my life. Yeah, and uh, the detail is that Sean is a twenty-three-year-old uh, bookie. Um, so she moves in with him. Uh, he's saving up so he could buy a uh, a place at the a table at the Starlight Casino. So I guess you buy that like you do a uh, a chair at a hairdressing place or something like that. Right. So yeah, <laughs> gambling has gotten a lot less legal too on the moon. Uh, you need uh, you need uh, dirtbag bookies who buy weed off a tourist to place your bets. Also, he's twenty three and she's I, again. Okay, I guess yeah. they don't they don't care. They yeah. don't care what that say, say that for the next chapter. <laughs> okay. Because, right. yeah, we're, we're like dancing around it now. But like, <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't want to make it ambiguous. Um, uh, but, yeah, the, uh, so the guy that she writes to, Kelvin, um, is, uh, you know, he's just like, he's a dork, essentially. He's like, I know you're mad, but please consider reconciling with him, even if you don't want to live in his home. There is nothing more important than family. So, like, it's like <laughs> by this point in time, I feel like this guy would have been like, I'm going to. I'm going to, uh, he's, you know, he's in the chess club and everything. He's, unless he's like, you know, secretly like turned on by this. He's like, I think we probably are very different people and I'm going to find a different pen pal. Or he's just like writing it while, you know, on the phone or something like, yeah. I guess I have to do this. Yeah, I suppose. But if he was talking about how uh, uh, important family was, I wondered if she'd accidentally been pen palling with uh, Dominic D- from the Dom Fast Toretto. And the yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing more important than family. Yes. If I work my way up to Loadmaster, I'll be able to afford <laughs> three schools for my sisters. <laughs> but she then replies to him. She's been hectic, like she's been fighting with Sean, but she says that there are at least five master welders in town who want me in their shop. Uh, the Hungarian machinists also dropped by. Uh, as well as plumbers, electricians, and glass workers. Yes, I have a reputation for being good at whatever I set my mind to, but this is ridiculous. It is kind of ridiculous. It's, uh, <laughs> it's I, the... I, Your reputation is not that, I don't think. <laughs> I guess you can only have one reputation, and this one quickly gets supplanted. Because, uh, you know, what is the old saying? Like, uh, but burn down one, uh, one machine right. shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess she sort of implies that her dad has put out some feelers to try to like get someone to help her write the ship. But um, yes, yeah. But uh, and uh, then it ends with um, in other news, Sean is banging other women. <laughs> we never declared exclusivity. <laughs> I moved in because I had nowhere else to go. It's like I mean, you know, I'm not a you know uh, not a scarlet level Puritan, but I think that when you move in, that sort of is some sort of declaration of that, unless he's actively like. Doing it in your bed as you're like looking at your watch in the hallway, wondering when you can come back in. <laughs> but you know, I guess Sean doesn't make the best judgment as we go. And she says, "I don't like it, but Sean was airy, very upfront about this for day one, so I can't complain. We'll just see how it goes." And yeah, I was like, "How old are they?" Like neither one are talking about school anymore, but I think they both have just uh, foregone other pastimes because we we get some information about that in chapter five. Oh boy! Yes, I, just that entire thing about Sean and their relationship. I just wrote, "What is happening here?" <laughs> this is just so. We always talk about it in bad movies—the unforced error of, 
what are you stirring in? Like you're doing a very upfront tale about, you know, a independent young lady, you know, fighting against odds or whatever. What is he, what are you stirring this stuff into it for? Yeah. This is so disturbing and weird and off mission. <laughs> yeah. Why? It's, I mean, it's just your, he's, he's being uh horny on Maine, I guess in his book. Like he's just, he's, that's where he's getting these weird little, uh, you know, hot 23 year old Saudi uh, chicks, you know, doing the whole moon. Like <laughs> it has to be a thing. Otherwise there's no explanation. I thought at some point in time, I was like, they're laying it on so thick uh, that like, maybe this is just some sort of, um, uh, you know, boy who cried wolf thing where he has, she had to present this like uh, promiscuous past as like some way to save someone else's honor or something. But like this made it very clear that it was just like, Nope. Like she moved in when she was 16 years old with some dude and her dad had to like come to the door, like Michael Douglas in traffic and try to like, you know, bring her home type of thing. Right. God. Yeah. I thought the exact same thing that it's like, this is obviously a, you know, she did a, a red flag thing or she, she took the heat for someone and, yeah. and then, you know, she saved the cat and that's why we love her. Can you believe she, you know, even in the face of her dad going like, just say that it wasn't you, you know, she's like, no, you know, right, tears right. streaming down her eyes. <laughs> I will protect the honor of my dear friend. Nope. She's a whore. <laughs> oh, fun. Uh, do, would you like to do fanfic now or after chapter five? Bring it on. Let's do some fanfic. Fanfic. All right, this is real or fanfic, the segment where our beloved jackals over on Patreon send in some fanfic that's going to be as nefarious as her evil plan to try to fool you into thinking it's real from Artemis. Um, that's patreon.com slash 372 pages. You can get every episode early. We did a bonus mailbag last week. I think we've referenced some stuff from that in this episode already, forgetting that we didn't talk about it in the real one. But anyway... <laughs> We appreciate all the support from people. Very fun. Go check it out. Uh, so this is going to be five passages that are either fanfic written by the Jackals or real from later in the book. you got to decide which one. That can be all real or all fanfic or a combination of the two. Number one. How, how well did you do last week? Was it two out of five? Poorly. I did yeah, poorly. Okay. okay. It's just tricky. It's so it's so bad that uh, you know anything could, could pass as fanfic, I see. So Indeed. we'll see how you do this time. Here's number one. I pressed my finger to my earbud. Svoboda and Dad, I'm going to be digging for a while. I'll call back in a bit. We'll be here, said Svoboda. I cut the connection. Give me a hand digging this out, I said. Dale held up a shovel. There's two kinds of people in this world. Those with the AVA suits and those who dig. I snorted. Okay. <laughs> First off, if we're doing the good, the bad, and the ugly, I get to be Clint Eastwood, not you. Second off, get your lazy ass back to work and help me. I have to be ready to drag your sorry ass back to the rover if things go wrong. He held the shovel out to me again. Accept your inner Eli Wallach and get digging. I groaned and took the shovel from him. This was going to take a while. Well, I'm glad that, again, on the moon in 2080, still talking (laughs) about Sergio Leone movies from the early 60s. If I have my year wrong, forgive me. Um... There was something, there was a couple terms that were just a little too Kleinian, so I'm going to say fanfic. All right. Although, complete coin toss, admittedly. Okay. <laughs> uh, number two. I glanced at the oxygen readout. Five minutes of air left. Is Fobodo was wrong? 
I would have to bite the bullet and send out an emergency rescue beacon to the EVA masters. Then I would have to explain what I was doing out here alone and why I shouldn't be deported immediately. No thanks. I found the oxygen tank. Working as quickly as I could with the oversized EVA gloves, I secured the nozzle, and nothing happened. I tried again with more force, and nothing happened. I looked at the nozzle, and I should have known. Of course the Soviet Union didn't use the Artemis standard valve system. Svoboda's voice came over my gizmo. You good, Jazz? No, I'm not good. I have a Soviet oxygen tank and no way to connect it to my suit. I'm going to be deported. Promise me you're right. I was ready to hit the emergency beacon, but Svoboda had more to say. Jazz, do you still have that condom? Svobo, this is not really the time. No, that's not... I swear I could hear him blushing. I mean, if you have it with you, I think you can make an adapter. The Soviet tank just needs a rubber washer to secure the seal. Then it should function. I paused for a second. Yes, I did have the condom. I left it in my jumpsuit. A girl never knows when a handsome man is going to show up. Well, I do have it. Let's give it a shot. What do I do? It's easy. Just slide the condom over the Soviet nozzle. Get it good and bunched up before the threading, then snip a hole at the top. You want as much rubber as possible to make a good seal. So be careful and get just the tip. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, I, I can't say that that's real. I have to say that's fanfic. I mean, even if I'm going to get stung by it, I'm still going to say that it has to be fanfic. <laughs> okay, number three. I felt a tap on my shoulder. An Asian man in his mid-50s sat next to me. He wore a three-piece suit and an ugly comb-over. Parai, he asked. Huh? I said. Uh, he pulled out his gizmo and gestured to it. Parai? English, I asked. He typed on his gizmo, then turned it to face me. The text read, Price? Oh, I said. Well, that's what I get for dressing like a prostitute and hanging out in a bar. It was nice to know I had an alternative career path if smuggling didn't work out. I glanced at the elevators and their guardian, then back to my John. Two thousand slugs, I said. Seemed reasonable. I was rocking that miniskirt. He nodded and typed up the transaction on his gizmo. I put my hand over his to stop him. After, I said. Pay after. He seemed puzzled, but agreed. I stood from the bar and downed my Balmore. I assume everyone in Scotland gasped in psychic pain. Ugh. <laughs> oh, this is a tough one. I mean, Asian man is nervous man. Nervous guy. Probably, yeah. I mean, other than that, or he's got a, a hang-up on a stereotype here. Uh... I don't know. Let's uh, let's let's go all in and say that's real. Okay, our our character mistaken for a prostitute later in the book. Uh, number four, the door to the gunk battery slid open, and I was assaulted by a stench worse than Jabba the Hutt's armpits. Ugh. I felt my gag reflex spasm. Not that it happens often, but I pushed through it and entered the chamber. As bad as the gunk smelled, it still tasted far worse. Before me, 50 massive gunk vats filled the room in a 5 by 10 grid. Each vat was emitting a disgusting slurp noise as the algae was being stirred. I did a quick scan of the room. Thankfully, no sign of Irish Vattery Guild members. I whipped out my gizmo in a flash. Dale? Yeah. A shit-eating grin spread across my face. <laughs> I'm in. Wow. Uh, Irish what? Could you repeat the phrase? Irish Vattery Guild. Yeah, there we go. So the Irish do the fermenting of the... Uh, I don't know. I have to say fanfic. Okay. Uh, and number five, final one. I have a joke for you, Svoboda said, eagerly leaning in. I groaned. Svoboda's jokes were always terrible, but he was doing me a solid, so I bit. 
Okay, just as so long as it's not a knock-knock joke. It's not a knock-knock joke. Go ahead. Knock-knock. I just said! I'm kidding! I'm kidding! He laughed. Okay, here's the real joke. Are you ready? The look on my face told him to get on with it. Okay, he began. What do you get when you cross a microscope with a telescope? What do you get? I asked, not even trying to figure it out. He paused dramatically. A kaleidoscope! You get it? He grinned. They collide. I grabbed my gizmo and walked out without another word. Behind me, I heard, It's funny! Mm. <laughs> I mean, it pains me to say, I, I'll say it's real. <laughs> because Svoboda is such a bad character. Yeah. All right, all right. These were very tricky, I think. So let's see how you did. Here's number one. This was... Oh, Good to Bad and the Ugly references. Several yeah. of them. Uh, you said fanfic. That is real from later in the book. Oh, come on. <laughs> that was submitted by Jeff. Uh, Referencing Jeff, Eli Wallach? It's incredible. Who Jeez. died in what? <laughs> what? He said, yeah, except your Eli Wallach. And she, she, she recognized his quote from earlier, um, probably after multiple back-to-back viewings. Uh, Jeff, who submitted that one, uh, went on to say that chapter 16 of this book is one of the worst things he's read in the history of the podcast. Oh. And Jeff is the guy that read all the Quilters books, so he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so we've got that to look forward to. Uh, but over one so far. Number two, uh, this was uh, the that's what she said joke, slipping the condom around the Soviet seal. You said fanfic. It is fanfic. Written by Daniel. It was good. I thought it would. I mean, I guess it was so much, but I, you know, it's not that different. No, it's not. I was good. I, I was very, very torn. <laughs> uh, number three is the uh, Asian man using his translator to solicit her as a prostitute because she's rocking a miniskirt. You said real. It is real. Yes, submitted by oh, Cynthia. Okay. Yep. Whew. So that's two for three so far. So that's another thing to look forward to. Not sure what's uh, going on with that, but <laughs> very exciting. Uh, number four, uh, the Gunk Vattery, Jabba the Hutt's armpits, uh, which got a visceral reaction for you. And the uh, Irish uh, Guild, the Vattery Guild. You said fanfic. It is fanfic, written by oh. Daniel. Um, I don't know. Again, like I thought it was a little heavy-handed with the, the Guild and the Jabba the Hutt, but it's also not that different. I don't think so, no. I don't think anyone's crossed a line. <laughs> uh, so that's three out of four, I think. And then number five, that was the knock-knock joke, the kaleidoscope. You said, real, that was fanfic, written by Mike uh, T. Mike T. I think that one was too subtle. I mean, it was subtle enough to be tricky, you know? He didn't, like, it wasn't a that's what she said joke. It was just a bad, you know, kid science joke, so. Well, um, there's, but they're certainly on to his style of humor, so that makes oh, it yeah. very difficult. Very much, yes. They've learned. They've picked up on it. It evidently is something that if you've uh, spent any time on the internet, you're able to replicate with immediate ease. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so lazy. Uh, well, well done, everybody. Thank you for sending in those devious ones. We have a lot, too, so maybe a bonus could be in order at some point. Um, but uh, let's move on to Chapter 5. And I'm a flip of a coin now, right, for this book? I think that puts it to 50%. I'm 5 yeah. for 10. That sounds yeah. like okay. it, yeah, if we remembered the last one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. It's so amazing. It is. All uh, right, Chapter 5. Okay, I, I think we might have... Um, uh, glossed over this the first time. Did she start reading the Saudi Arabian gossip site? Um, in the oh, she chapter? did. Yes, okay. yes, she did. To, just to 
to uh, make her, you know, verisimilitude. Like she's, if anyone caught her, she would be, they, they can see what she puts on her gizmo. Right. So that she's doing that to like throw them off the scent once they download the contents of her gizmo, I guess. Yes. It's, um, but she does, it's hard to, for me to remember if she liked it beforehand. Cause she does, you know, she seems invested in it, but I can't decide if that's just him doing a bad joke that she's, you know, she's pretending to like it, but now she's engrossed in it. Cause it's like, Oh my God, I could not believe the shit. The prince's second wife was saying about him in the press. That's just mean. Still, I can emphasize with any woman who's been cheated on. I've been that woman and honey, it sucks. So ladies be uh, reading gossip. That's good. Uh, um, good for the moon. I uh, wrote that one down and said, what, why are you becoming Dolly Parton in nine to five? Like, <laughs> I can, you know, snapping your gum. I can empathize with any woman who's been cheated on. I've been that one. <laughs> Honey, it sucks. Mel, kiss my grits. I also like that this is what Saudi uh, Arabian gossip is and not like, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. journalist dismembered, like in uh, <laughs> shoved into suitcase. Like, all right, settle down. Is nine to five? Uh, would that be worth a watch? As a, uh, you were trying to get me to watch eighty for Brady this week, and uh, yeah, it was. I have never oh, seen nine to five. Oh, I'm man, afraid, I've, so I've thought, I've thought, I've thought about it. So maybe I'll do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, you should. <laughs> um, uh, she is now going to meet up, I believe, with Svoboda in Aldrin Park, right? Um, yes, which is like the one like natural area they have with like grass and trees and stuff. Um, and they clarify that it's three p.m. Nairobi time. Therefore, 3 p.m. Artemis time, um, which is an important distinction to make. And we get this. I can't imagine you don't have this uh, highlighted as well. Nope, I bet we could read it at the same time. <laughs> the city shined in the sunlight like a bunch of metallic boobs. What? I'm not a poet. They look like boobs. <laughs> that is that is true. You are, you are not a poet. Yeah, you're not very funny either. It's a... Uh, it, it, it's like a a 15-year-old boy being like, you know, if in a body switch comedy, you know, being yep. like, well, oh, man, I, I, swipped, I, I swapped into the body of the head cheerleader, and now I'm just going to go, like, you know, look around the locker room and stare at myself. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, you, <laughs> like <laughs> have you existed on this planet for more than two hours, like, you know, regarding the opposite sex? It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm trying to think. So she's, uh, well, let's peg it at 22, right? Mm-hmm. I uh, I was earning a living. I was, you know, <laughs> you had a a car, you had a, a apartment you needed to take care of, relationships you had to, you know. I was just a couple of years off from marriage. Mm-hmm. I I hope to God I wasn't <laughs> writing down things like that. Looks like boobs. <laughs> what? What? It look, they do. They look like boobs. <laughs> I hope I wasn't. Right. Maybe I was. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, you can be a, a mix of, of endlessly sort of Bella Swan, world-weary and sort of like disgusted with everybody, all the frumpy tourists and stuff. But then when, also, when needed, you can also be the person who's like, <laughs> dicks and boobs. Like, <laughs> totally funny. <laughs> 69. Found, yeah. found it, man. <laughs> um, and she goes on to do this. Like, this is, I think we've talked about this off air, but. She's identifying like the various boob-like buildings, and she says that uh, Shepherd Bubble sat there full of rich fucks. <laughs> and this is this has come up before, but it is. I am glad that like just in in this era, we can have a work of fiction that's bold enough to speak out amongst the evils of rich people, because in between like Succession and the White Lotus, and it's just like it's good. 
to have more of that because I just maybe yes. someone will it's do something brave, about how Al Qaeda is bad next. Because yeah, a, or maybe a, about how you know what I'm hoping for is someone finally makes a movie about how the suburbs are not actually the ideal place that they think they are. <laughs> that there's something bubbling under simmering the beneath the surface. Wow. Yeah, I what hope I someone does that. Wow. Oh, my mind's blown. But isn't she's a character who? What is her number one desire? Right, is to be rich. It is not even subtext. She's outright stated that, like she said, like I want to be rich, and that's why I'm doing this, so I can move into a luxury apartment. Which, I mean, in any other book, you go, okay, there's something going on here psychologically, but in this one, it's just dumb. There's no. (laughs) She, her best. I mean, the only person, I guess, Dale is her best friend, but the rich guy. She's like, hey, he was okay. Right. You know, he takes care of his uh, handicapped yep. daughter. And, uh, you Pays know, he's kind well. of a, he jokes around with her. He opens up, uh, you know, warehouses and lets her crawl around right. on machinery. Like, he's, you know. Doesn't see me as just a, a, a blue-collar worker, like, you know, talks to me. Yeah. So I, I, I don't understand. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is uh, the, the groundskeeper in the park comes up to them. Uh, I forget oh, what so his, good. his name is. Because uh, she's, oh, she's beneath the, uh, the two statues of Artemis and then Chang Ji, I guess, the uh, Chinese yeah. god. And then uh, the raspy old voice of an 80-year-old groundskeeper comes up to her. Uh, no smoking in the park. <laughs> the groundskeeper was 80 years old, at least 80 years old. He'd been a fixture in the park since the park opened. Do you see a cigarette in my hand? I said, I caught you once before. That was 10 years ago, he pointed to my eyes, then to me, watching you. So to me, that just reiterated how small of a town this is, because this is the second adult who has uh, had an interaction with her from over a decade ago that has distinctly remembered her. <laughs> yes. Um, so as she perpetrates her scheme, that's a uh, an important detail to remember. And he has been a fixture since the park opened. <laughs> and she, and she knows this. So he was what, like sixty five when it opened. I don't. How how long has the the colony been there? How long has the park been there? Oh, I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but then, um, uh, this is him, the groundskeeper again. Uh, he shot me. This is when Svoboda comes. Yeah. So you might have some stuff before this, but uh, he shot me a look. I'll leave you and your John alone. <laughs> No sex on the grass. <laughs> so the we, to, year old. Yeah. To which she replies, try not to age to death on the way home, Gramps. But uh, it is an amazing, you know, so this 80-year-old guy is, sees a 22-year-old and just assumes she's a prostitute. So, again, like, are, are there uh, just how how word gets out? I'm very curious about, you know, like, how big was her scandal or you know how many people tuned into her uh, her live stream of her action to to give her this reputation? I don't know. Oh, but uh, you know, speaking of people trying to imitate the humor, here you go. Svoboda shows up, and so the two statues, and then she's sitting under it. Right? He goes, "Hey, look at that! Three hot moon babes hanging out." <laughs> and she rolls her eyes and says, "I'll teach you how to talk to women someday, Svoboda." <laughs> So that's the kind of humor that we're getting. This yes. the, Svoboda is not, he's not 11, right? No. He's a full-grown adult. <laughs> could, could someone teach him how to write women? That would be an interesting question. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, it's a, uh, you know, that's a, another example of the guy, you know, someone making the joke and then being like, come on, that's a terrible joke. And being like, you're right. Well, anyway, moving on. I'll keep doing it. <laughs> yep. And this was weird. This was weird. Um, because uh, he says, like, did you get a chance to test that condom yet? And she says, it's been 24 hours. What kind of sex life do you think I have? But then uh, they say they don't come here often because, you know, there's so much flying debris. And explain to me if you were aware of this. It says the park was infamous for this. If you're from Earth, no matter how much you mentally prepare yourself, you always throw too hard. Your friend 10 meters away, the intended receiver, will watch a ball sail over their head to the other side of the park. And don't get me started on Frisbees between the low gravity and low air pressure they're a complete mystery to tourists what is he talk, talking hmm. about here I, yeah i don't it, know this it is... implies that the gravity is different on the moon but i don't think it's been addressed i don't think that, that, that has not come up so, so weird I that's a, you know, i don't know what that is sloppy writing on his part i guess to, <laughs> to have this happen i mean you know tell us what you're going to tell us then tell us please also again you're flying to the moon you looked this up you know not to, like, chuck a, a Frisbee as hard as you can at your friend's <laughs> eyes. This cannot be new news to you. Yeah. and you No know, matter how much they hear of it. No, I think people are trainable to a certain point yes. where their, their first throw might be slightly cautious because you've made such a big damn deal about it. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, the whole flight, you know, which takes a couple days, they'll be just, like, giving you a class on the moon and probably showing you videos of, uh, you know, Rift Track's educational short style of like, don't do this yes. because otherwise, <laughs> how to oh, die no. horribly on the moon. That frisbee hit your friend in the head. <laughs> um, here's Svoboda. Again, this is uh, three paragraphs after the thing I just read. The hot moon babes. Yeah. Cool. I don't have many of those. You're my only friend with boobs. God. You really need to work on how to talk to women. So... <laughs> 100% repeated beat. To what end, I ask you? Uh, Is to... anyone happy with this? Can we take a poll among people reading, listening? Is anyone happy with this? The three guys who who, who said this is a great book uh, that listened to this, like, what are they? <laughs> are they uh, three for three on that uh, council? <laughs> the wise men? Uh, yeah, it's off-putting. What, to what end? It makes me just want to look at another picture of the writer is what it does to me. That's... <laughs> <laughs> You're my only friend with boobs. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like... I'm, I mean, I'm going to say that to one of my friends and see how that goes over. <laughs> I'm just going to record it just like surreptitiously <laughs> secret camera. Yeah. How's it going? Get... Then we have a regular talk and then I just turn and go, hey, you know, I've been meaning to tell you something. Reacts you're, like the, you're, uh, you're the neighbor... you my only friend with boobs. Yeah. The office-based neighbor when he asks him if anyone says, do you ever have a case of the Mondays? And he just has <laughs> the most disgusted expression on his face. No. <laughs> Shit, man. No. <laughs> uh, uh, she's got uh, welding equipment, custom electronics, and her HIB. To me, that sounded like a hell of a rig. Mm-hmm. And she's, <laughs> she's going out of the airlock. Um, I think that she uses the HIB to... Uh, trigger the airlock from the outside, you know, because none of those things lock from the outside in case you're ever trying to get back in an emergency, as she, uh, you know, writerly demonstrated in the very beginning that you might be running out of air and need to, like, get yourself in and you can't be fumbling for your key. So Indeed. The, the thing identifies it. It says, I walked back to Conrad Airlock <laughs> and closed myself into the antechamber. I just had to hope no one walked in on me or I'd have some splaining to do. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Did you you recognize the uh, reference there? Of course. I mean, yeah. yeah Kids, 2080, Moon. You guys still watching this? I mean, entirely it, from other people's impression of that line from uh, I Love Lucy, but uh, I, it, did, it did stand out. I, I was shocked by that. Like, <laughs> you, come on. This is like from hearing John Biner do a... Uh, uh, an imitation of it on the uh, Ed Sullivan show in sure. 1971 or something. Sure. <laughs> so, who is this making happy again? Who is this <laughs> attempting to cover? Yeah, and you know, at, at, at least, and in one or two of his books, Klein was working under the the loosest cover of uh, why you would be talking like the uh, the 50 year old guy in in 2013, but. Um, you know, this is so much closer to Armada, where the kids in the future just quoted, you know, the last Starfighter and Ferris Bueller without any explanation for why. It's like uh, I used to. Uh, I think I would irritate my beloved wife when I would. There would be an add-on for something, um, you know, marketed to children that would be using, you know, like a song from the musical Oklahoma from the '30s. Or something. Okay. <laughs> I go. What is the? Who is this trying to make happy? <laughs> Where they're just using the tune and then re-singing it. Like, did they just own it? And they're like, well, we finally should probably get this thing out the door, I guess. But, you know, kids aren't going to hear it and go, oh, hooray, it's the song from Oklahoma. Rock'em, suck'em, where the robots punch you in the (laughs) face. Exactly. I just never understood that. Like, just uh, let that song die. It's fine. It's, uh, but famous, this, this uh, reference is the same. Famous Nintendo Smash Brothers uh, ad where they uh, all the characters are happy, and then they start. They're playing "Happy Together" by the Turtles from the uh, '60s um, to sell a Kids? game in tw- you know, 2005, and uh, that just starts playing as they start punching each other. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, so, yeah, she, this is her main, uh, like, s- scheme is put into action here. She's going out to disable the uh, four harvesters, um, which is going to involve welding and then explosions. Um, yes, and-, and she says about herself, right, there'd just be a very attractive dead body out on the surface for however long it took someone to notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is about herself. Yeah. Well, it's about the author writing about herself. It is. Uh, well, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like, you know, have you ever had, you know, writer's block? You're like, I just don't have it in me today. He's like, oh, I can't get out of any words. I'm just not horny enough. I've got to go, uh, <laughs> uh, brother. <laughs> I could take a walk around the block and maybe I'll come back with an appropriate level to write this book about a 22-year-old moon girl. I got my uh, my my funny jokes are all out of the way. I, mm, yeah, <laughs> funny get jokes. Horny. Yeah, it's, it's surprising you mentioned that. Here's uh, here's some funny jokes. Uh, my CO two removal system reported green status, which was good because I don't like dying. <laughs> oh, I have just uh, go to hell next to that. Oh yeah, I've got several of those. <laughs> um, uh, here's another good one. Uh, this is this is what I said like uh, five sentences that just like the perfect distillation of his writing style minus a little bit of horniness I think when they designed Artemis someone said what if there's an explosion at the reactor it's like a thousand meters from town that'd be bad right a bunch of nerds furrowed their brows and pondered this then one of them said well we could put a bunch of dirt in the way they gave him a promotion and a parade. I embellish the details there, but you get my point. Like, uh, 
the 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 flip sort of marvelly internet talk and then uh then <laughs> making sure you knew he was joking at the end of it is uh, right. <laughs> classic distilled weir own it man own it <laughs> to which he then does it immediately uh, two sentences later i turned my head inside the helmet yes. turned my head inside the helmet bit a nipple parentheses try not to get excited and sucked some water out god oh that I, my comment there who is this for <laughs> i wrote and i'm sorry there's a swear in this i said hey man i'm sick of this shit <laughs> Stop accusing me of being the person you are. I'm not you. I don't yeah. think that way. Imagine if you were a uh, if he was doing it as like stand up comedy. So like there was an actual crowd that would like you know he'd say I bit a nipple and like maybe there'd be like one guy who's like <laughs> and that but and he has it in his you know, routine that he's rehearsed being like hey 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 oh whoa come on hey <laughs> try not to get so excited that's on you. The brain out of the uh, gutter, and people are like, "We didn't say anything. You just said nipple. Like you didn't make a joke. Like, hey, I don't come down to the, uh, the gunk factory and tell you how to vaterate the gunk, Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just make the fanfic canon. <laughs> oh, look at that! Look at this guy over here. Look at he's oh oh he's really excited about the nipple. Hey, calm down, Baldy. <laughs> no, I got a text message from our babysitter. Our kid threw up. Please stop talking to me. <laughs> so yeah that's what he's doing it's just uh it's it's stand up without the actual reactions built in right um and this is what i was talking about before he's uh she's she's running out to get to these machines i gave a mighty grunt and started climbing five meters at a 45 degree angle it might not seem like much especially in lunar gravity but oh. when you're wearing 100 kilograms of eva suit and hauling another 50 of equipment believe me it's work so he built up he built up the gravity to the point where it's all we talked about. And then as soon as it becomes important, it's immediately undercut. It's incredible. Yeah, running upstairs is nothing whatsoever. <laughs> Don't even care. <laughs> but hey, man, when you're wearing a suit. Uh, so the uh, the smelter. Here's one where I just said, like, if I were a teacher, I would just, you know, circle it three mm -hmm. times with the red pen and rethink this. The... Uh, uh, what are they called? Reactor? No, what are they? Harvesters? Uh, harvesters. The harvester moves and, like, you know, picks up some rocks or something. And then she says, having taken a good dump, the <laughs> basin returned to level and the harvester sat idle. I just circle that three times and go, nah, mm, <laughs> don't, don't do that. We're not going to be doing this, man. Uh -huh. Yeah, again, no one's happy with that. I'm your teacher. I'm not happy. You can't be happy. You can't leave that there. He's but no, nope, the editor left that in. Yeah. Sir, like, look at this, and then look at the picture you have framed of you and Ridley Scott, um, who directed <laughs> Alien, um, uh, you know, on the wall from when you were on the red carpet at the Oscars. Just think about what Ridley Scott would say if he read this, and I want you to just think about that and be ashamed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, the context here. Um, sit there and you think about that. Don't take that flat cap off. You chose that. You leave that on your head, sir. Um, here's, a, here's a really good back-to-back-to-back. -to -back -to -back. My plan was working. I giggled like a little girl. Hey, I'm a girl, so it's allowed. Um, <laughs> uh, besides, no one was watching. I pulled an aluminum stock rod from the duffel, climbed at the top of the harvester, 
held it out like a sword. Onward, mighty steed! And remember, if she gets caught, she immediately will be deported and she won't be able to walk on Earth, by the way. Onward we went. The harvester stopped southwest from the Moltke foothills at the breakneck speed of five kilometers per hour. I watched the smelter bubble and reactors disappear in the distance and grew uneasy again. Don't get me wrong. This wasn't the farthest I've been from the Shire or anything. Blah, 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 blah. This was the oh. furthest I've ever been from safety. It's like, man. Oh, it's just hard not to make, you know, double middle fingers as you read it and just like press them up against the book. <laughs> But I mean, oh. do people want it? I mean, like, and I know I understand that like people are like, you know, they could be like, you guys make Lord of the Ring jokes. At least they're 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 jokes that have context. You know, they I feel like they'd be somewhat warranted. It's not just you know pulling a saying you know walking on stage stand up routine and being like the Shire like ah oh. <laughs> hey hey hold up a finger Tom Bombadil ah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, it looks like, uh, oh, they're flashing me the light. looks like I'm uh, just about out of time. Um, uh, Charlie bit my finger. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll see you guys. Uh... See you later. Thank you. You've been a great audience. Chocolate rain. Tip your waitress. Good night. <laughs> yes. It is just like putting stuff in. It doesn't, uh, there's no context where it makes any sense or makes a joke or improves things. <laughs> It it hurts everyone it touches. It does. Um, okay, so now we get into the actual plan, and I don't understand this. The nefarious plan, as she calls it. Yeah, it was very nefarious, obviously. She's, you know, twirling her mustache and uh, strapping people to the monorail line every time we're... <laughs> Nell! Uh, That'll teach uh, you to call it a monorail. <laughs> you, you trust fund, kid. <laughs> Uh, a huge boulder destabilized by the fresh hole at its base tipped forward onto the tanks. A pathetic fart of air, sorry, escaped from underneath, briefly kicking up dust. Then there was nothing, and that was the end of my reserve air tanks. Oh, come on, I yelled. Does the pure uh, Joe Bluth. <laughs> come on! <laughs> go, 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 go! <laughs> Uh, I don't, I just don't get what's going on. Do you yeah. know what's happening? Uh, hard to say. I mean, she just, she was like trying to do something, but she had left her ox, some of her oxygen tanks in the span of a boulder. Uh, but I don't, I don't really know. Why Maybe was there she's... a huge boulder was destabilized by a fresh hole at its base? Was there a hole in the base of the rock or a hole where the rock was? Oh, I don't remember. Maybe the harvester moved it. Uh, maybe that was what the harvester harvested was a rock. That's gotta be it. All right. Well, <laughs> I just hope she's got the big purse she had. I'm because I'm confused about the plan. Right. The yeah. wax, the holes, the pressure valves. The I don't welding. know what's going on. And it's best not to really um, to suss it out because, like I said in the last episode, that the the getting people out of the fire. I thought I was like, that's okay. That you could imagine that being a cinematic scene. This uh, uh, widescreen welding action. To me, does not carry the same uh, the same praise. <laughs> I'm going to say. Uh, okay, I, I'm glad you feel the same way. I, I thought too about like using a an oxacetylene torch to cut a small hole into a, a wax reserve on yeah. a machine does not. Yeah, again, 
uh, briefcase in the corner, the FBI agent. If he sees it, you're busted. Uh, yes. you, uh, let's make this more simple, please. <laughs> well, this might help. Uh, this was a cut, not a join. When you cut, you aren't melting metal. You actually turn it into an oxidized gas. Yeah, it's that hot. Um, that's, that's some of the, uh, the cinematic welding we get there. Uh, having, uh, you, you know, I took welding in high school. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. Wow. So what? oxyacetylene. Wait, are you, do you have a Saudi background? That's, that doesn't check out. That's, you did not know about my Saudi background? Very interesting. <laughs> I'm wearing a hijab right now. <laughs> Strange that you didn't know that. I should have probably brought that up at another time. <laughs> Uh, but there was a, a uh, I'll tell this very brief story. Okay. <laughs> when we were learning about oxyacetylene welding and, and cutting, my uh, instructor said, uh, you know, this uh, uh, oxyacetylene is nothing to mess with. Like we had a, I knew a guy who was teaching a class and he set the uh, oxyacetylene torch down in a tank uh, just to, and it wasn't on, but it was slowly leaking. Okay. And then someone sparked, blew up the whole classroom. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> We're like, okay. Wow. Uh, this is just day one. I'm just trying to learn how to, you know, cut some metal or something. But uh, wow, it, it made it made a huge impression. Like, uh, it's nothing to mess with, there, boys. Like, okay. <laughs> and that's coming from a sh- like a shop teacher who's probably like missing a finger or two, and like, you know, the grizzled park instructor that was on the uh, in Artemis Park. There was uh, there was actually a guy that was crimping metal and lost a finger in our class. Oh and he's my like, god! Calm down, boys. Calm down. <laughs> guys, like ah. Wow. Well, maybe that maybe that guy who blew up the lab was just there to smoke some uh, weed he bought off a tourist. I don't know. Yeah, it's a little spark went out from his pipe. Sure. <laughs> well, she's doing welding and she's saying stuff like, "If I screwed up, a bob of molten metal would fall on me and bore a hole straight through my suit." Holes in EVA suits are bad. Uh, and then I got as far as to this side as I could. If I screwed up, maybe the aluminum droplet of doom would miss me. That's also camel case. Uh, like bed yes. just didn't want to leave. Yep. And there I had the thought, and it did not bear out, but I was like, it would redeem these first five chapters if it actually did fall on her and killed her. And the guy pulled sort of like a psycho, you know, or Janet Lee. And it was like the rest of the book was about the Vietnamese guy who's in prison that the Mountie kicked the crap out of. Like that would have been, <laughs> that would have been pretty incredible. Like this, maybe a uh, a fully redeemed Sean comes back as the hero of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it had some bad times, man. But yeah. <laughs> he's he's taken up work as a social worker or something, and is uh, that's going to be. But it doesn't happen. She uh, she she gets out of there. She solves the problem immediately, avoids the thing, and uh, gets to the dastardly part of her plan. So uh, and then she, yeah, she because she's trying to get around the, um, there are uh, fuses that protect the batteries uh, that are in the, the harvesters. And she puts scare quotes around the, it's the fuse that protects the batteries. Like, well, that is a fuse, right? <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you making us go like, oh, yeah, call that a fuse? <laughs> like, no, it's the thing like a fuse that protects the battery. Right. Why, why are we being angry at fuses? <laughs> she just has so much uh, attitude, I guess, that she doesn't know when to turn it off as she's yeah. doing this life or death mission. She and I was like, yeah, it. like, 
as she's as she's doing all these quips and stuff, it's like when it's annoying when Tony Stark does it, but at least he does have superpowers, you know? Like he does he does know that he's probably going to be immune to a lot of the stuff that these, you know, guys shooting beams at him are throwing at him. So that's why he's like, "Uh, let's get some help around here." Like, I mean, so, but when she does it, it's like, you'll die. You'll die or you'll be imprisoned. Like, right. <laughs> you have yeah. nothing but your own uh, wits as a uh, apprentice welder to go on here. My favorite uh, Tony Stark improv, by the way, uh, Robert Downey Jr. improv, <laughs> obviously, that they left in the movie, was him, like, scuttling around his, you know, doing his shtick and doing this. But he had a bag of dried blueberries. <laughs> And he kept offering blueberries, and that was just it. There was no gag. It was just like, blueberry? Now, what we need to do is, and then turn to someone else, blueberry? <laughs> I remember Hey, that. Robert Downey, he's, he's eating blueberries on set. Wouldn't it be fun to sort of bring that into the movie? Epic. Build it no, into it the lore. No, it would not be fun at all. <laughs> it would be confusing and weird and stupid and, uh, yeah. It would be wearying, may I say. Weary, yes, very much so. Uh, it, it flashes back to what she has done to set up uh, an alibi while she's out here, which I found very amusing. The alibi o poked at my gizmo screen with little probes that had the same capacitance as a human finger. So she has used the same uh, same scheme that uh, Homer Simpson used with the little drinking bird to try to uh, maintain his <laughs> computer while he like went out to do something. He went to go see a movie called Honk If You're Horny, which I think... Uh, could oh, be An- nice. Andy Weir's bumper sticker. <laughs> yes. Um, and it reminded me, if I could tell a little story, there was a, in freshman year of college, so this was probably 1999 or 2000, there was a little, uh, uh, also ran um, internet money-making scheme, which I didn't really realize when I was looking this up. Uh, I, I just sort of like went through the dot-com boom at college without any real sense of what was going on or caring and all that, you know? None sure. of it was big enough to hit me. I wasn't ordering pets.com and I had no stocks, so it didn't matter at all. So I didn't really, it, when people talk about that, that didn't cross my radar as being what I was doing when I was a freshman. But this was a site called All Advantage. Did you ever hear about that? No. It, uh, you, you would sign up for it and it was sort of a pyramid scheme, but it would put a little like uh, lower one eighth bar on the bottom of your screen that would show ads as you were browsing the web. And based on how much time you spent, it would give you money, which as a freshman in college, it was like, this is a way to get like $30 a month. This is absolute gold. But um, you didn't really want to have to look at these ads. So I rigged something that would move your mouse around and click uh, as you would like sleep so that it would think you were, you know, had browsed the web for eight hours and it would (laughs) occasionally go to other websites and stuff. Making money while you sleep. That's the dream. It was awesome. And so it lasted all of three months. I got like one check from it. It was tremendous. But uh, that's the uh, that's the scheme she has going on here. The all advantage uh, drinking. That's right. (laughs) That's what Svoboda did for her, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Svoboda's device. uh, He had named it the alibi o Oh, Svoboda. <laughs> uh, uh, but while she's underneath the thing, she says that the harvester was heavy enough to squash me, squish me like a grape. So that's more gravity uh, working out the way that we've been told it with the whole, whole, uh, whole book. And as she's disabled uh, a couple of them, uh, one another one comes up to it and says, "It didn't dig. It didn't load. It just looked at me." Mm-hmm. Its high resolution camera refocused slightly as I stood up. I'm not sure if that's. Same as high def or not, but um, we'll, we'll have to parse what those things mean in 2082. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says it could only mean one thing. Someone at Sanchez Aluminum, Aluminum had taken manual control of this harvester. They'd spotted me. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, I noted that uh, 
it looked at me, it could mean only one thing. They'd spot it like there's six. Yep, got it. <laughs> right. Got it. Thing looked at you. Could have ended with that. Got it. Uh, machine looking at you. Uh, well, there's no way around it. We're we're at the moment, right? <laughs> oh, I've never been so excited. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, so, yeah, everyone at home, um, just uh, big... Uh, refill your cup of coffee. You're just going to want to be drinking it, I think, throughout this. You know, seltzer if you're not on caffeine, anything you want. I mean, you know, have a beer. I think you might need it after this. Uh, yeah, I would also, there are those of you who might prefer to fill your mouth with mashed potatoes <laughs> and just wait to hear this moment. Um, yeah. All right, yeah. let's, if, let's if, go. If you're listening on your phone, you know, ha- have it up to your ear and be having a conversation with someone as being like, one second, I've just got to take this and uh, then listen to what we're about to read to you. Uh, uh, be, be at a library and listening to it with a very, very cranky uh, a librarian from like an 80s video <laughs> with a ruler uh, spanking it in her hand and tilting your glasses yeah. down and looking at you. Just be ready for that as Kitty well. Kitty glasses, yep. Yeah. Um, here we go. She's uh, she's writing to Kelvin and Jazz. He's worried she hasn't heard through him. And I thought this was a good, boring sentence of the week. I found your father's email address through his welding business website and contacted him. <laughs> 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 do not worry. It does not stay boring. Um, she says, uh, dear Kelvin, do you want to read this or should I? Uh, please do. I know this is <laughs> one of your favorite things ever. So I want you to have this. <laughs> dear Kelvin. Sorry you got worried. I wish you hadn't contacted Dad. Things have not gone well lately. Last month, Sean got a visit from an angry mob. About 15 guys. They beat the shit out of him. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I got to take a sip of water for the next. Sure, yes, yes. Uh, At that point, I thought this was just funny, but uh, he wouldn't talk about it afterwards, but I knew what it was about. It's a thing people do here. It's called a morals brigade. It's somewhat chilling to hear a you know Saudi Arabian talk about that, but we'll uh, we'll move on. Some things really piss people off enough that they'll form up and punish you, even though you didn't break any laws. Sean is a horny guy. I knew that, and I knew he had other girls. One second. <clears throat> Take a big sip here. Yep. There we go. But I didn't know he was screwing a fourteen-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 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 oh spicy let meatball. Me, let me go back. I'm looking right at it, but it, obviously you re, you misread that. Yeah. And it is a typo. So Take, I will taking my glasses off and cleaning them to. Uh, that's <laughs> I will I will read it again. <clears throat> Let's back up a little bit. Sean is a horny guy. I knew that. I knew he had other girls. He had about a dozen guys. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't know he was screwing a 14-year-old. I guess you didn't misread that. Uh, Sorry for everybody if you, I mean, we, we told you to drink water. I, we, we should have said, like, have a towel ready to clean up, you know, your monitor or uh, the person next to you on the train that you're listening to this. It's, oh. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but I mean, all right. So we've moved on. I think you, you know, you sounded like you were sort of choking a bit there too. You might want to take another sip of water. To, okay, um, I will. Let to me take a make giant sure sip of water. Sure sure. Not, uh, the worst is over. Here we go. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we've got people from all over Earth here. 
different cultures have very different sexual morals. So Artemis doesn't have age of consent rules at all. <laughs> as, as long as it's not forced, it's not rape, and the girl was consenting. <laughs> what is happening on the moon? <laughs> well, what's we need hap- to get control of this. <laughs> What's happening is we're not savages here. You might not get deported to Earth, but you'll definitely get your ass kicked. I assume some of them were the girls' relatives. I don't know. So this is a lot to unpack, I think. It's not unfair to say that. It is a lot. And should we start by going back to her earlier statement? Sure. Um, That no one... Um. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I'm sorry. I'm looking back at my notes. Do you have it there? Oh, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Um, We don't care what people do sex-wise as long as everyone's a consenting adult. (laughs) All right. That's that's a direct quote. All right. So, uh, you know, if if that's the sign that welcomes people to the earth, it should have. um, By the way, uh, we do very much care. In fact, there are... There are squads, morals brigades of about morals brigades that very much object to uh, you having sex with underage people, even though we have very different sexual morals. Um, but but we're we do have sexual morals, I'd say, because you have mentioned that you have devout Jews who are at temple on Saturday. You have uh, extremely devout Muslims who are building um, such so accurate uh, prayer mats that they're able to to face. Mecca because they're so concerned about that. So, did did they just get outvoted like at these at these meetings um, uh, where we explicitly it, decided not to have age of consent laws? Do they sort of off the record consult the Morals Brigade that I assume is run by is it Rudy the uh, the Mountie yeah the Mountie who uh, rabbit punches people who uh, who who fall off the the Morals wagon? So does he? <laughs> Lead the group and come. I, I, I mean, I'm just picturing, uh, you know, the uh, uh, s- s- kill a mockingbird crowd outside the jail. <laughs> like, yeah. Or don't they uh, don't, don't they beat uh, in the Godfather? They they beat up his sister's husband because they found him screwing around, kind of thing. Like Sonny goes yes. and takes care of that. Uh huh. So yeah, it's hard to hard to get a picture of what's happening here, but it's it's all very very confusing that the moon is. Uh, um, in one sense, it's just a commune kind of anyone with anyone at any time, <laughs> except for the age of consent. But then we learn that they don't have age of consent rules. Yeah, and they but they extreme they care about them deeply, you know, because like no one cared that the uh, Vietnamese guy, uh, you know, beat his wife until the Mountie had to take care of that on his own. You know, as the as the the judge dread, he's the law, he's a judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, did he is... did he email the morals brigade later? Like, come on, guys. Yeah, right. where, where, where were you? Yeah, really could have used some help out there. Like, yeah. oh, morals like, brigade, we were, we were playing the uh, the uh, you know the honor guard in softball that day. Like, <laughs> I mend metal that day. Work at machine. Can't beat man nearly to death. So sorry. Yeah. I thank Schmackfla. And but the uh, the the dignified, you know the the. Uh, the the Kenyan um, president, the the, the uh, you know the 
you, I assume she was carrying herself with like a regal dignity. She isn't up there being like, hey, we had another mass beating by a morals brigade. Should we really just codify this? Like, you know, it seems like it's a weird thing to let mob justice endorse because everyone seems pretty on the same page here that it's not a good thing. Like, um, again, is this going to be something that uh, has has an impact later in the story? Or is I, it... Because uh, if it is, bad news, bad judgment, guy. Like, look at the picture of you and Ridley Scott. Or is it just sort of a, a joke here? Uh, because also, like, bad judgment, look at the picture of you and Ridley Scott. Uh, either one is, good, is not good. I, it, it is funny that you mentioned the, uh, the president. Like, imagine her, you know, at a podium making a speech to... People with crossed arms on either side of her, and like, <laughs> I am very proud of all that we have done in this community. And uh, and then she looks down and sees the Morals Brigade, like there with pipes in their hands. Like, guys, could you move to the back? Like, do you have to sit up front every time? Your presence loom large already. I will not lie. Like, uh, there's still some of Sean's blood on that one club you're carrying there. Come on, man. A little bit of his hair. Uh, what is amazing is that, like, this is a very much like a Bitcoin guy way of thinking, you know? I am pretty sure that there was one, like, I think a, maybe a, a, I don't know if it was real life or metaverse community where a bunch of crypto guys. Like, we're, like, going to create this paradise. They were going to buy the island, whatever. But, like, sure. what what undid it was that too many Bitcoin guys were, like, and there'll be no age of consent laws, right? Like, this is a true, like, free society. People were, like, uh, uh what, what? Like, and so even that was enough to undo that. So the, to think that you would get to the moon with, like, dignitaries from all over the world and then that it would happen here is just a, a bizarre, no other way to put it. And, uh, and then we get this information that says... I, how could I not see what Sean was? I'm only 17, and he was oh. hot for me for day one. Turns out I'm on the older end of his preference range. So, ah, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, just leave that where it is. Yeah, what if you didn't about do what this? She in the said book? about him earlier. <laughs> yeah, what if you didn't? Uh, what if you didn't put this in? What would what would change? What would you lose? It's bizarre. I, I, I can't describe it any other way. I mean, and, uh, just, uh, again, circle that whole thing and go like, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then have the arrow going down to, uh, uh, dear Kelvin, I'm living on gunk. <laughs> Gross. Gunk is crazy. Like, okay. So yeah. forget everything about beatings and morals brigades <laughs> and uh, deeply immoral yeah. age of consent laws. Yeah. Two two paragraphs ago, they were, they were writing emails that was just like, Dear Jazz Boobs. Now, <laughs> yes. we're, uh, now we're here. We're you to know. this. His sister has an unexpected uh, pregnancy that she has to drop out of school for. Her dad's not going to be able to retire. Like, everything's going poorly. He doesn't address her other concerns here. Be like, what the, the what's going on up there on the moon? Like, <laughs> get your act together. But uh, it's, uh, will that, will the underage thing get blurry on it? We'll see. Um, I, uh, I, prediction. Of course. Of course, yeah. That's just, yes. uh, that's supposed to be a joke, right? That's just a... I, I, a joke is a strong... <laughs> oh, it's good. It's so good. Wow. Uh, well, chapter six. Chapter six, yeah. This is uh, a lot of... A lot of uh, just... Yeah. Action set piece kind of thing, but not even action... I don't know. Well, let's yeah. go. Chapter Things six. happen. Yeah, but I think I, I think there is a lot of action that we can we can gloss over. Um, sure. 
and uh, so she, she does a little uh, mental uh, play about uh, what the EVA guys were doing when they talked to Sanchez Aluminum. Um, do you want to, like, uh, I'll just read it. Yeah, Sanchez, read it. Con- Sanchez Controllers. Yeah. <laughs> hey, why are you fucking with our harvester? EVA Masters, we're not. Sanchez, well, someone is. EVA Masters, we'll go kick their ass. Not because we care about you, but because we want to continue our stranglehold monopoly on EVAs. Also, we're a bunch of assholes. It's like, yeah, how dare the guys who provide the coal colony with oxygen not want sabotage to happen to their, uh, <laughs> to their, to their fleet here? Uh, I have the exact same thing written down. And also, like, doesn't he, he undermines that, like, well, that was my, I was edit, editorializing there or something. Like, ah, God. <laughs> uh, but immediately um, there's hauling ass. Oh, yeah. She hauls ass again. She calls she calls somebody an ass wipe. Uh, the ass wipes that Sanchez had made the harvester smack me with its front loader scoop. And, oh, uh, uh, to which she says, "Do you have quote what she says there?" Uh, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, what is it? She says, "Woo, W H U question mark." Woo, I said. <laughs> I mean, right? The, Stephen King would just have like. Ah, boo, bajang, boosh. Sure. Woo, I said. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Those she said ass- that when she got smacked by a, uh, a the ass loader. wipes. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's pure 50 year old man, uh, writing a 22 year old, like a 13 year old is, uh, right. calling someone an ass wipe. And what she does is she's, uh, She's snipped the antennas on these harvesters so that even though she hasn't, like, blown them up yet, they're unable to communicate with those, you know, dipshittery factory back at Sanchez Aluminum. Um, and, yeah, so then she hauls ass when she's going to set them up to uh, to blow them away. And, oh, that's because she had a killdozer to deal with? Oh, right. Yep. That was nice. Um, which, you know, again, good to know that a uh, <laughs> 22-year-old woman... On the moon, a strict conservative Saudi Arabian woman on the moon who lives in a coffin is still watching Clint Walker TV movies from 1974. <laughs> That's good to uh, good to know and still keeping those fresh in your mind. Wow. I couldn't. I knew that was a thing, but I didn't know what it was. Just a, uh, a TV movie. From, About an evil from, bulldozer? Yeah, it gets hit by a meteor, uh, meteorite, and then... Uh, Goes on a killing spree. Amazing on, on an island. <laughs> well, uh, it's a good thing it uh, it didn't just cause a short circuit and killed her because otherwise the battery might short and it would be absolutely shitting heat. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> which is a description she uses of uh, how she's blowing these things up. <laughs> uh, and this is some good sciencey talk, um, glib weir sciencey talk. Oh right, I'd said I'd forgotten to account for the other explosive in there, the hydrogen fuel cell battery. All that hydrogen had met the oxygen at a high temperature, and they'd had a brief chat. <laughs> That's going to become something from us for a soundboard at the end of this podcast. Just a disgusted sigh for our 372 soundboard. But I was like, uh, if I, I had to think about like the Hindenburg guy, uh, if he was a, a shitty internet-y writer, describing <laughs> yes. that one, be like, <laughs> oh, the humanity! I have all the feels right now. <laughs> the Hindenburg is going down like a flaming bag of dicks, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no, this does not win the internet. Oh, the pits of despair. I am in you. Oh. 
Oh, here comes a heckin' cute doggo. Oh. <laughs> um, va- here's another one. Get ready to... Uh, oh, I'm get, ready. I think I know what it is. Get your sound ready, your disapproval sound. Vacuum's refusal to convey sound is a real pain in the ass. Ugh. <laughs> Nor- Norman groans there all It is very much there. like, yeah, I'm just like resting my... Uh, Resting my head on my driving steering wheel right now. How about this one? I prepared each of the last remaining harvesters for kaboominess. Ah! <laughs> yeah, we could be replaced probably by the end of this one. Just a, Oh, okay. Uh, that's what the one I have. Is anyone happy with this next to? But this one, here you go. Get ready with your sound. I knew what you had to do. I just didn't like it. I'd have to blow the remaining two at the same time. Please don't quote me that last God. sentence out of context. <laughs> wow. Yes, I mean, the fanfic, like, it, 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 it replicated that one as easy as anything else. Like, that's how bad of a trick that is. That the, That's what she said joke is essentially what he's <laughs> yes. doing here over and over again. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and then uh, for the third time, here's what we do here. Um, I stood at one harvester and looked at the other 20 minutes away. This would be tricky. A long, rational part of my brain piped up. Was this really a good idea? One million slogs. Yep, I'm fine. <laughs> yep. God. Uh, but she does. She blows up, I think, three of them. She tries to blow the last two, but one doesn't blow up. Which So that's a problem. Uh, uh, big problem here. Because <laughs> because she's been contracted to do all four, and uh, she's not going to get her million slugs if she doesn't do that. But uh, she says, minor problem. Uh, I think the guys are approaching. They've got, they're have they in their lunar rovers and are driving towards her. Yeah, they're chasing her down. And she says, minor problem with running away from people on the moon. Your footprints are very obvious. <laughs> uh, and she says, in order to do this, she starts hopping from rock to rock, using mm-hmm. that uh, lower-than-usual moon gravity. She says, I jumped to the next one and so on. I continued my high stakes game of the floor is lava for the next 20 minutes. So I'm glad that they were still playing that as, uh, as children. Oh, <laughs> that does persist, though. You know, I, uh, you know, four year olds are still uh, are still pretending that things are lava. Um, sure. I believe that is an actual uh, TV show. Too. Yeah, it was a, it was a game show during like, uh, you know, uh, April of 2020. They were like, we need some new TV. Uh, yeah. Open the dregs of the vault. And that was one they had in there that was like. Uh, someone being like, I was on a game show. Whatever happened to it? Oh, it was so terrible. They decided they'd never show it. And then they were like, yep, put that one on the air. Uh, all right, here's the, I'll, I'll finally get to it. If I skipped anything, just go back. Uh, her swearing. Okay. Uh, again, that's a slight content warning. Okay. Shit, damn, crap, ass, son of a bitch. It's important to vary your profanities. If you use the same one too often, it loses strength. I fumed in my suit for a minute more, then calmed down and got to scheming. <laughs> I, I can't. There are galaxies of rage exploding yes, yes. inside of my head. Yeah. If you don't vary them, it loses its strength. If you use a bunch of different ones, uh, kind of ineffective, too. Um, so, it's sp- supposed to be cute, like that you say a bunch of. Oh, I, I can't even. All right. <laughs> Based on some other fan fiction we got, they. Uh, they he doubles down on this on uh, uh, okay. epic uh, epic profanity construction, and so he gets back to scheming. And this is at some point in time, I was like, so when you know these EVA guys, they are 
they don't know nothing about this, but there's a town of 2,000 people, all these tourists. This is what provides them with their oxygen, right? Yes. So as they're and going that, out this here— This is their job. They are charged with protecting this. So. Right. And so th- someone's trying to take these out. They're like, this is an act of terrorism. Mm-hmm. Like, what other thought would you be having here? Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, when she's saying, like, you know, <laughs> I calmed down and got to scheming. Like, you know, Timothy McVeigh is piloting his, you know, truck, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm perpetrating my scheme. It's like, no, they think that you are, like, trying to kill everyone on the moon in, like, an agonizing fashion. Like, this is, <laughs> you're, you're, you're the FBI's most wanted terrorist. So, like, ditch the uh, nefarious scheme kind of talk. Yes, it's true. Like, <laughs> you are enemy number one. You Shoot, are yeah, very evil. Yeah. Mohammed uh, Ada steepling his fingers as he goes, you know, like that type of like, like no, you're you're like the worst person on the moon in terms of these guys. Like they have absolutely no regard for this. Uh, you know, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that my my epic win was going to be FTW and not a total WTF. Look at these butt wipes trying to stop me <laughs> from killing the entire moon population, jackasses. Uh, another question of, uh, which is going to be asked a lot is anyone happy about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing to wander around on a bubble hull, but if I climbed on the glass of Aldrin park right in front of people's faces, it would raise a few eyebrows. Mommy, why is Spider-Man on the moon? No, thanks. <laughs> is, is anyone happy with that? That's my, I, the question stands. Yes. And you know, is, is the mom is the mom concerned that like the uh, the moon atmosphere is getting to her kid that he sees a person in a spacesuit and thinks Spider Man, <laughs> you know, possibly the most distinctive costume that's ever existed. <laughs> yes. Oh God, the, the gravity, which I've been told is one six Earth, is affecting my my son or daughter. Let's get him out of here very quickly. Plus, I, uh, we've all been informed that an act of terrorism is actively occurring. So, or as she refers to it, I was perpetrating a caper. <laughs> Mommy, when was Spider-Man created? Uh, in the 40s, I think, honey. Okay. Just checking. Just checking my math. I don't know if that's correct. Forgive yeah, me. It probably is a, maybe a decade or two off, but like, who knows? And also, who cares? <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, she, what's his name? Bob is there. He's doing his rounds, uh, and she like uh, tries to get out of here, but hits the ground hard and completely off balance. Or as she says, I landed like a sack of shit. So the, <laughs> which was pretty amazing. Like, which yeah. someone should start eating soon and grinning, right? <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> I don't know what, uh, you know, that's, that's usually not something, you know, a sack of potatoes, I think is like the oafish, you know, landing type of thing. Like a, yeah, a, yeah. Sacks of shit. Are, uh, I'm going to put a little spin on it, like a big sack of onions. I don't know. Make sure, your sure, oh, potatoes. Like, yeah. I think that was what the guy grew in the Martian. So that would be kind of a fun uh, in-universe tie-in. But uh, yeah. nope, sack of shit. We're going to imagine what that landing sounds like. <laughs> uh, get another uh, proper noun that I can hate on. Attack of the moon woman who made bad life decisions. Oh, God. All, That's ca- also... All caps. Yeah, all caps. <laughs> oh. uh, not all caps, but, you know, camel caps. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, in order to get out, she grabs onto the train and sort of like, uh, you know, lets the train haul ass for her as she goes back to um, like where the civilians will be getting off and the moon base. And she's able to um, 
hop on back through an airlock because none of these ones would open for her or they'd tell that she was. Or no, the guys were all blocking the airlocks. So she takes the train back to the uh, Apollo landing site because that's the one place that she doesn't think they'll have sent guys to. Even though, again, you know, biggest act of terrorism in Artemis' history, they'll, they probably would have thought about stationing yeah, a guy it, at every entrance. It would have been, you know, the, the yeah, the red klaxons sounding, you know, for the for like full city alert, everyone. Yeah, that or, you know, uh, you know, Every train is grounded. We're not moving anything. Yeah, we're all dead. Lock everything down. This is the 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 worst thing that has ever happened in the history of this moon uh, thing. Uh, But in the middle of that, we get this, and um, I'm just going to read it without comment. (laughs) Anyway, I had just enough to pay deposit and first month on a capsule domicile. It's so small, I have to step outside to change my mind. Rim shot. (laughs) <laughs> the, rim, the rim shots uh parenthetical but yes rim shot is parenthetical and exclamation marked so yeah um any young men it feels like it's uh it's dis- disrespectful to say rodney dangerfield but like uh, maybe early uh, uh, you know again like jackie gleason show there's a new uh, upcoming comedian <laughs> Let's hear what he had to say. Oh, you get no respect. Hey, my room's so small, I had to go outside to change my mind. <laughs> I love this guy. A new star. Hey, and what's uh, what's up with, uh, you sleep with one 14-year-old, all of a sudden you got the morals brigade outside your house. Ho! <laughs> I mean, the, the clubs were raining down on me. I mean, bits of my skull. I get no respect. No respect. Uh... But uh, yeah, that was that was her uh, that was her last email to the guy. She essentially uh, takes the uh, the train to the thing. She gets off. She cleans her uh, her her moon suit. She says, "I may be a smuggler, saboteur, and all around asshole, but I'd never leave my EVA suit duty." And then she uh, she uh, says she walks into the thing. She thinks she got away with it, except it wasn't salvation. It was shit. I stepped into <laughs> shit. The smile on my face quickly changed to a freshly caught carp expression which is oddly um, expressive and and, uh, and specific. Would she have seen carps on the moon? That's a very good question. Maybe she watches Freshly a lot of or uh, catfish noodling videos. Yeah, on, that's uh, true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, because uh, Dale stood in the antechamber, his arms folded with a half smirk on his face. So she's been busted by Iraq, the devout Jew. <laughs> and that's how this, that's how this section ends. <laughs> except i don't get the ending I, I mean i think i do but i want people to hear it okay uh dear kelvin you're a loadmaster in training does that mean you sometimes set up cargo pods unsupervised because there are a lot of people in artemis who smoke dear jazz i'm listening so well, the, the, ner- the nerdy guy is going to become a smuggler the dirty guys, like, yeah, they're going to be the guy who packs the uh, cigars for her, I guess. That just seems that that's a turnaround I did not expect. Is yes, what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's she's he's very clumsily had him be like the tragedies that have befallen my. I mean, he writes like a Civil War guy, like the tragedies that have befallen my uh, beloved family are are numerous to mention, as numerous as the stars in the sky. Uh, my my younger sister is six months pregnant. My father is unable to work any my mom cannot work my blah 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 so he's she's set up his desperation to turn him off of this moral uh, intelligent path that he's on i shall um instead of uh 
playing three-level chess uh, at the park with uh, with the masters. I I shall take a box of cigars that I got from <laughs> from a guy who said they were Cuban, but I think he just took the rings off and put new ones on. <laughs> I will mail those to you with no uh, uh, tax stamp on them. Right. Yes. And that will solve all my problems yeah and he's you know he's been going through like the civil service training to get this job an apprentice like working to provide a good honest you know living for his family but yeah it goes out the window pretty quickly um one more thing from their letters yeah just he just says um uh she's talking to dale um he was shocked at my situation and offered to lend me some money i assumed it was a play to get into my pants so i turned him down i don't have a problem with prostitutes but I don't want to be one. So just, <laughs> all what right. Is... What's, yeah. I mean, sexual morality on the moon. My thesis uh, for my uh, my PhD here. Uh, we would, man, I'd, I'd hate to have to chart it, but uh, yes. <laughs> How does it work? Right. And the, uh, the, the laws of it, the evolution, you know, just whoever put the flag down got to say it. So some... Uh, a crypto guy did it, and prostitution's legal. I beat everybody else here, so it's all my stuff. But she also curiosity: is- could the uh, if someone had the money, if, if you had like you know Musk money, Moon Musk money, mm-hmm. could you plop um, some domes down, pump it's them like- with oxygen, like right next to the the Kenyan Kenyan, right? Oh, right, yeah, um, and just go like, yeah, this is. Uh, this is Bolivia's dome. <laughs> Our rules are this. You want to come over? Yeah. Here, we'll extend a little plastic tent. You can come over, and you wouldn't believe what goes on here. <laughs> I mean, right? What, they can't say anything. Like, who owns the... Yeah, that's they, a very... They didn't buy it. That's a very good question, because they did sort of say the reason Kenya got their foot in the door, because they had, like, the equator, so you could take off with less... It was less expensive... <coughs> Excuse right, me, and then propel they, your rockets up, and then she was impressive because she was a good money raiser. Yep, she uh, united all the countries and stuff. So yeah, but it seems like um, anyone who, you know, Shark Tank that idea yep. and just go, "What's to stop me, Mister Wonderful, from building his own domes up there?" Huh? <laughs> it's like I, I don't know. I guess there's nothing. The uh, they're setting up their tents, and the Kenyan president is like, uh, "Moral police, you guys want to help us out here?" They're like, "Nah." <laughs> like, we're good. Uh, I don't want to put my suit on just to go out there and beat a guy. Uh, just, <laughs> I'll just watch from the window. All right, that's the end of chapter six. Uh, just so much going on and so much, uh, so much frustration going on, but uh, some just uh, unexpected things as well. I, I hope that the rest of the book is full of stuff like that because uh, truly, what is what sets it apart from your your average bad book. And if you're trying to write a bad book, just like the way you try to write a bad movie. Uh, not things you'd think to include. Uh, where, if you're listening, can, can we get you on the podcast? <laughs> Maybe talk through some of these uh, choices. Uh, all right, sounds uh, good. Yeah, play, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know either. Maybe his buddy can uh, can feel be the intermediary here. Yeah, that might be a good idea. Have a little cushion. Let's end with some dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, Here we go. Dumb sentences, many of which are also submitted by our beloved Patreon supporters at 372pages.patreon.com. 
Join the fun. Maybe uh, if we do interview Weir, that's where it's going. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> no promises. Um, here's the first one from Harris. We probably covered a lot of these. By the way, we also hate it when people call us loonies or when they call Artemis the city in space. And their comment was, uh, more horrible world building. This did go through an editing process. He could have integrated those gripes more naturally instead of as an awkward aside, as though he was panicking during an oral presentation. Uh, this one was submitted by three people, Mike T., Craig, and John, which is, of course, the city's shined into sunlight like a bunch of metallic boobs. And <laughs> one of them said, it's the kind of world building you rarely get outside of a naked gun movie. And yeah, I could imagine that in uh, Leslie Nielsen's voice. <laughs> yes. Uh, Justin and Amanda both submitted, uh, this one got a heavy sigh from us, I prepared each of the remaining harvesters for kaboominess. <laughs> Michael submitted a simple I digress, <laughs> which he said, if you're incapable of stopping due to some degrees, at least make the digressions interesting. Um, he said, I would have also said I would have never allowed myself to dream there was a Klein clone out there. But damn, Andy Weir's beer was held by someone else as he wrote this. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Cynthia, John and Elliot all submitted. You might be wondering how a simple remote controlled unit could send radio waves capable of penetrating an Artemis hole. And pretty much all of them added, uh, no, we, we really weren't. <laughs> and we know you'll just hand wave it away immediately, which you do. You're probably wondering. <laughs> Cynthia added uh, she wanted to do dumb sentence edited by a woman. Uh, she wanted to change, I stretched my arms out and arched my back to just say, I stretched. Um, that's uh, that's what you, <laughs> all you really need there. Harrison submitted, I fired off the funds transfer and she accepted and he said, do you, do you really fire off a Venmo payment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Elizabeth and George submitted the previously covered life's a pain in the ass when you have a cop constantly on your ass. So, I mean, they, someone said this was edited. We cannot be sure based on that sentence. <laughs> Theodore submitted. I don't remember. This was a, in reference to, but who says there's no such thing as an Artemisian citizen? And he said, at no point has anyone said or even implied that the people who live in Artemis aren't citizens. I have no idea what he's getting at here. Uh, Jenny submitted, water is one of the best heat absorbers in chemistry. And it just says it's like a sixth grader wrote it last minute for a science paper in chemistry. Like in a chemistry <laughs> class. Like what are about it absorbs water heat better than most substances in nature. Like <laughs> uh, Hayden submitted, I turned my head inside the helmet, bit a nipple, try not to get excited and suck some water out. They said, I think Weir is actively trying to force the reader to quit the book. Um, uh, Dawn submitted, holes in EVA suits are bad. <laughs> Janelle submitted, no sex on the grass. I think that was the 80-year-old groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. Mike submitted. This one was good because I didn't notice it. It was just a... This, oh, yeah. It's a reference to the train. It was just a single car. Not the long-ass earth train... Oh, sorry. Not the long-ass trains earthers are used to. And he said, okay, little Miss Pedantic, who just called out tourists for saying moon or rail because there are two tracks. If there's only one car, it's not a train at all. It's a locomotive. So it's nice uh, nice nitpicking we were not... Uh, we glossed over. Um, and then also Mike said, this was just a fun, uh, fun little aside. He said, I also pulled up next to the workshop of dad's colleague, Zoska Strobel, who was apparently named during a severe vowel famine. And Mike said, the name has more vowels than John Smith. So that wouldn't be funny for someone who would think non-European names would be unusual, let alone someone who is supposed to be a Saudi Arabian living in a multicultural city populated entirely by recent immigrants. <laughs> so that was a yeah. good comparison, I thought. 
Do you have anything we didn't cover? Uh, no, it's all covered, <laughs> except maybe for that. Oh, uh, uh, no, they were covered. <laughs> I have one that we did not. This was during some of the welding scenes, so you excuse me for not covering it because there was so much great stuff there to, to discuss. But uh, that oxygen made the metal flex go ape shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Incredible. He's staying on brand. Yeah, I don't think it's switching up. Uh, I think the brand is strong, and that's uh, that's what we're in for. I think we're two-fifths of the way through this one. So, man, a lot more to come. And uh, Chapter 16 to look forward to. Great stuff covered in uh, all the real or fanfic. Who knows what else is going to be referenced from the 20th century. I can't wait to see. And I can't imagine, like, as you, as you were reading this, it's like, uh, obviously he wrote a, a, a good book. Um, and so as you read this, you just go, wow, putting on the the uh, the character, putting on the coat of a really shitty writer <laughs> who can't write at all. Like, wow, can't wait to read that good book. Of course he didn't write a good book. There's no way he wrote a good book. Yeah. Um, it's impossible to imagine with this kind of humor and everything. Like, there's nothing happening here that makes you go, yeah, but this one, you know, he kind of phoned it in or whatever like no good writers you still get good prose occasionally even if it's a bad book but this is oof. yeah we got a I'll, I'll just read this was a short email this was from amanda it said i did read the martian when it came out and though i think this is definitely worse i did not think it was any good at all so perhaps closer to 372 than you think still full of characters quipping and making wisecracks and most of the rest of it being comprised of telling us the science behind something, then explaining a bad thing that happened to put the main character in peril, and then telling us how he used science, more science to fix it again, repeat until he is off Mars. So it sounds, you know, nearly identical. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. And uh, another guy wrote in the uh, a review of the movie of uh, The Martian. Um, I'll just, this is, it, it was worth reading, I think, um, but it, it's long what he says. Uh, this is the one excerpt he says. This is from Joseph. That last one was from Amanda. This sort of wittiness, which is genuinely amusing one-tenth of the time, goes on ad infinitum, along with references to disco music, Star Wars, Iron Man, The Dukes of Hazard, and Three's Company. Reading the novel is too much like spending a number of hours with a precocious and especially self-approving undergraduate science student who aspires to be a stand-up comic. It is hard to believe any human could go through the terrifying and life-altering experiences Weir describes and remain so unrelentingly shallow. So that is... Uh, that is just a devastating review. <laughs> all if I find it, I'll link to it because the whole thing was pretty good in terms of like uh, some uh, some of the excerpts of the Martian he pulls out on. It would be fun to write an entire novel and just have the point of view that that uh, you know Klein and he have about the eighties. Like it's just there's no question that it's good because I remember it and it's from the eighties. But just uh, do an entire novel, but just pick out really like morally depraved things that we all knew from the 80s or, or from some other uh you know decade and just go and just quote them as like you know as they say in the movie deep throat or you know just something <laughs> right. just horrible and just be like yeah. uh, huh we're all in on this right it's just so weird that they think that because you knew it therefore it is good because it's what you selectively remember as happy things right and yeah that's all it is like it's that type of thing it's a 
Um, but yeah, to do that with like, you know, where the FBI flooded the cities with crack rocks, that was <laughs> as the as the AIDS epidemic epically spiraled out of control. We were like going to the going to see Empire Strikes Back at midnight. And right about that time, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer was doing his thing. <laughs> Am I right, people? Yeah. They traded arms for hostages the same way we would swap tops cards. <laughs> Garbage pail kids. Damn it. That would have been better. Uh, I, I do want to, anyway. while we're doing it, we might as I'll just, there's like very short excerpts from The Martian. So I'll just read them so we can put to rest that some of this was, that he's made a bad book after the good one. Oh, sure. sure this sure. was, again, from the uh, uh, review Joseph sent us by a guy named David Walsh. Um, uh, most of the, Oh, yeah. Most of the novel consists of descriptions of various physical and chemical processes. And then Watney's, Matt Damon's interventions in these processes, sort of how-to manual for surviving in an enormously hostile environment interspersed with essentially puerile monologues or dialogue. So there you go. The labored jokiness, quote, is particularly grating a few examples. Problem is, parentheses, follow me closely here. The science is pretty complicated. If I cut a hole in the hab, the air won't stay inside anymore. I tested the brackets by hitting them with rocks. This kind of sophistication is what we interplanetary scientists are known for. But in the end, if everything goes to plan, I'll have 92 square meters of croppable soil. Hell yeah, I'm a botanist. Fear my botany powers. And the last one is uh, back. (laughs) The last one is back on Earth. Universities and governments are willing to pay millions to get their hands on Mars rocks. I'm using them as ballast. That one's not as bad, but uh, yeah, I, it seems uh, seems pretty uh, pretty similar to me. Uh, seems completely on brand. I see no difference whatsoever. <laughs> oh, great. All right. All right. Well, there you go. Maybe we can read it for the podcast. Maybe that would be good. <laughs> um, well, thanks, everybody. Uh, we will be uh, back with you uh, soon. We'll put the assignment in the text here. Thanks, all.